And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Welcome, folks, to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios in northwest Pennsylvania. What, uh, seven or six days before the election? Six days? Five days? Seven days? Six days. Seems like all the days blur together when we're talking about politics, right? want to introduce ourselves to you. Of course, we broadcast live each and every weeknight, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. Thank you so much, Global Star. Also, simulcast on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, BTR. And, of course, YouTube Live. And uh, we've got two different websites, HagmanReport.com for the news information and the, the uh, meat of the things that we do. And, of course, Hagman and Hagman.com. There is the... Um, interface for the show all of the show options and such and uh, we dig into topics that the corporate mass media won't this has been an incredible incredible day an incredible uh, really last uh, uh, 72 hours even the last 96 uh, folks we've got uh, so much to get into we've, we've got a very special show for you lined up today of course the third hour is going to be our regular time we're going to spend that with pastor david langford the voice of evangelism.com. God bless that man. He's, uh, he's our official pastor. He's, Dr. Langford is, or Pastor Langford is the official pastor of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Just want to uh, mention a few things. I was on with, uh, Alex Jones today for a little over an hour and on InfoWars and we were talking about a number of different things. I don't know how many people out there saw the, Report, uh, by Dr. Steve Pachinik. Of course, he's been a source, uh, whether it's Steve Quayle or whether it's Alex Jones, uh, in the alternative media. He's got, uh, a, a pretty good pedigree and, uh, he's got some information. Well, uh, we've got, uh, Alex Jones and I have got different sources. Now, my source, uh, who I talked to early, early, early this morning, it gave me very, 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 very close information, information that was very close to what uh, uh, Dr. Pachinik is talking about. And I spoke to Alex Jones about this and, and just kind of getting the alt right. Yeah, and, and that's a pejorative state. In fact, I'm not even going to call the new media the alt right. The media, given this media, our media, um, talking about that. It's interesting as we speak to other people's in other people in this in, in the in this new media. We are digging and finding out more information than the mainstream media is offering to to you folks. And again, that's no surprise, obviously. But I want to tell you something. All right, we are in the most dangerous period of time in American history, in modern American history. And I'm going to tell you right now that there is a a revolt taking place. It's within, with, it's within the FBI. It's within many of the intelligence agencies. And there are people on the good side. There are very good people that are in the rank and file of our FBI and our various intelligence agencies. And certainly very good people in, in my PD. Very good people on very, on other task forces. 
they are, are, are there's a pushback taking place against Comey and against, certainly against Lynch. Folks, the only thing I can tell you is this. Um, there's a lot of information that um, we're awaiting verification on, secondary verification, but a lot of this information is, uh, it appears that the information that was on Anthony Weiner's laptop, desktop, other devices that was shared with or by Huma Abedin spans a lot of different things, involves a lot of different things from top secret special access program documents, classified documents. <coughs> that <coughs> that alone um, flies directly in the face of what Hillary Clinton said in terms of uh, her statements to the FBI. Huma Abedin, that flies in the face of her deposition as well as her April 5th interview. Um, she, of course, claimed to have four email accounts. Well, one of the four it was shared with Anthony Weiner, and uh, one of the one of the files, uh, or I shouldn't say one of the files, one of the devices contained uh, shared files that not only contained classified or now this is information we're getting. And, and you know what? You could you can say, well, you're just full of beans. Yeah, that's fine. Think what you want to think. But a lot of this is coming together as as we compare our information with people like Alex Jones, who's getting it from Steve Pachinik and other sources. The information is coming together where Comey was pushed by a, a really a patriotic group within the uh, various intelligence agencies, including but not limited to the FBI, because of what was found on October 3rd. And one of the things as I mentioned yesterday, and I mentioned in a video I did earlier that's posted on our official YouTube channel, is the fact that they're looking at a router to determine um, and it, uh, uh, Eric the Tech, which he's got a Twitter, at Real Tech Eric. Um, he's got a Twitter account, but I was talking to him, and my question was, why would somebody, why would the um, feds take a router? Because that's what they did. And the answer to that is simple, apparently. That's to see who else was accessing the network. There's talk among the among the um, cabal of patriots of the group patriots within the group that uh, perhaps, just perhaps, some of the information, especially the top secret uh, special access programs, may in fact have been shared with foreign interests. Yet the Trump campaign is being blamed for cozying up to the Russians. You know, it's it's uh, very interesting indeed. So I just want to bring that uh, front and center, and I want to reaffirm something I said earlier in the um, in the, in the this five minute video I did after after uh, the uh, Jones appearance. Um, the devices that were the uh, FBI had uh, had FBI. And the legal counsel ordered destroyed. It's my understanding those the devices were not destroyed because the agents who had possession of those devices believed it not to be a lawful legal order given the circumstances and situation. So having said that, um, this is a push against Comey. 
and certainly a very, very severe push against uh, Lynch. The Department of Justice has been politicized. All of this is extremely important information that you need to know. Uh, it's in, in the coming days, I don't know whether the revelations will be deeper. I do suspect that they will get deeper. And by the way, we have been questioned about this too. I don't know if the different folders had uh, specific names like life insurance. Maybe you've heard about this life insurance, the triple X uh, pictures or whatever. I don't know that. I have not heard that. My source had not said anything like that. But out of the 656,000 change files, on uh, emails and files on the um, Wiener device. There goes Eric giggling again. Yeah. Um, it runs, again, runs the gambit of uh, different uh, potential criminal aspects. All right. So we're, we're going to be following this closely. Also, as well, I want to give a just give a special hello, say a special hello to Canada Free press.com Judy McLeod of CanadaFreePress.com. We've been, we've been very uh, very close for a number of years. I met her in uh, Toronto when we were up there uh, conducting an investigation together. And, uh, boy, you talk about a tenacious investigative reporter, editor, a woman who has got like the... <laughs> she wakes up and... I've got emails from her like at 3 in the morning and, uh, you know... 11 at night the next, you know, same day. Uh, she was talking to me about a couple of things. We're, we're going to be setting something up, we think, together. Joining forces, CanadaFreePress.com and the Hagman and Hagman Report to bring you some special election coverage. But not your typical, hey, look at this, you know, not like a scorecard kind of thing. But getting into the meat of the election selection process, election process. So we do hope we're going to be working that out with uh, Real Tech at Real Tech Eric. Uh, we're going to be working that out with uh, Eric the Tech, and of course, uh, seeing what our schedules do allow. But I want to give a give a special hello and a warm hello to Judy McLeod. And by the way, I did submit. Uh, we did. I did find earlier this morning. I was going through doing some research, and folks, I found. From 2010, this is, um, Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State for less than a year, and she did an internal public service announcement, a lecture to State Department employees about cybersecurity on video. Let that sink in for a second, okay? That's right. She was lecturing the staffers and the individual, everyone working at, at state. I found this, this video. I think Fox News, I think it was from Fox News posted. I don't know. It was a very, very obscure. Uh, but, but here she is in 2010 lecturing everyone on cybersecurity and protecting classified documents. Now, is that ironic or what? To me, that should go viral. And if, when you, when you think about this, and, and I'm going to just say this and I'm going to get, kick it over to Joe here, but when you, when you think about this, ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you a question. Are you, are, the, the question is this. Do you still believe that Hillary Clinton did not have 
that all of this was just big one big misunderstanding, a lapse in judgment with respect to the emails? I don't think so. Watch that video. Go to canonfreepress.com and take a look at the video or the link to the video. Just, just read my, it's on hagmanreport.com, but please, you know what? Comment it. Comment about it at canonfreepress.com. But to me, intent, knowledge, absolutely. And it just, it boggles the mind. And it, it just, to me, it boggles the mind if there's any Christian out there who would willfully vote for the criminal cabal, the culture of deception, knowingly, then you know what? I, I don't even know what to say to you. I really don't. It's more than political. It's even more than legal. It's spiritual. So, that concludes my opening statement. Joe. Our guest for the next two hours is Mike Gendron. Folks, go to his website, proclaimingthegospel.org, proclaimingthegospel.org. He is a 1992 graduate of the Dallas Theological Seminary and a frequent speaker at conferences and seminars all across uh, the United States and the world, been on hundreds of, of different uh, on hundreds of different occasions. He's been a guest on many radio and TV programs. He's also been writing a monthly article for the uh, Annenberg Theological Journal since 1998. His book, Preparing Catholics for Eternity, is not only a comprehensive teaching on Roman Catholicism, but also an excellent discipleship tool for Catholics. The book equips and encourages Christians to proclaim the sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mike is a director and founder of Proclaiming the Gospel Ministry, a 20-year-old evangel- uh, evangelist outreach to those who are lost in religion. Uh, Mr. Gendron, it's great to have you on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Well, thank you, Doug and Joe. It is indeed a privilege and a blessing to be on your show, especially when our country and our church is facing such a crisis. Listening to Doug's opening remarks, the culture of deception that is prevailing throughout America. It's also prevailing throughout the professing church. And so it's good that we're going to address deception in the next couple of hours and see what we as Christians can do to expose it and contend earnestly for the faith. We're ready for this. It's going to be an interesting program, I think. You know, people have asked me of late, um, why aren't you covering? Like, I've been approaching and. You've got a show. Why aren't you spending 24-7 on just the political, the news headlines? And we've got enough people doing that. But one one thing that I, I really believe in my heart is that we are seeing events take place that overlap Bible prophecy, or Bible prophecy encompasses the current, the current events. All right, so that's number one. Number two, the level of deception transcends the physical. It's getting into the spiritual. There's a spiritual blindness that we have. And there's a spiritual bankruptcy all across the nation. And in fact, all throughout the West. And I'll say something controversial. I believe that this, that this, that the spiritual bankruptcy of the average Christian is greater than that of the average Muslim. Now, you might, people might, their heads might explode with that statement. 
But you've got you've got these jihadists who believe in in the, the uh, promised afterlife, which is nothing but a lie from the pit of hell. Yet they're willing and dedicated enough to strap on a suicide vest and throw a vest on the you know their five year old child and send them out to to kill the infidel as an act of uh, faith uh, as part of this. Okay, so you talk about deception. Whole oh, wow, that's deception. But it also reflects a commitment that apparently we as Christians collectively don't have. Did I say that right? Did I equal? Did I offend everyone equally? Or, I mean, do you know what I mean, Mike? I, did I lose yeah, it? Did I do. you hang up on me or what? Okay. No, uh, definitely. Um, of course, I think we have to distinguish between the many false converts that are in the professing church today versus the born-again Christians. And I believe the false converts in the church are the ones that you described that have no commitment to the truth. They've never been born again. They may have head knowledge about what the gospel is, but they have no discernment because they don't have the Spirit of God. And the Bible says the natural man cannot discern the things of God because they're spiritually appraised. So I think, unfortunately, Christianity gets a bad mark because our churches are filled with false converts. And unfortunately, very few are contending for the faith because, again, they haven't been born again. But I really believe that uh, our church, the professing church, is going to face a serious crisis in the near term especially if uh, the wrong candidate gets the presidency. I think there'll be persecution in the Church of America, and that may be a purifying effect on the Church because I believe all the pretenders will fall away and the true Christians will be noticed by their desire to stand firm on the truth of God's Word. Well, well said. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're right. Um, all right. I, I guess, uh, thank you, uh, thank you, and, and that's a very succinct way of of saying what I what I probably would have taken maybe twenty minutes to say. So thank you for that. All right, uh, Mike Jenrin, thank you so much for your gift of time tonight. Well, you're going to be spending uh, uh, the next uh, the next two hours with us. We so appreciate this, uh, Joe. W- we we had talked about the the show content i'm going to toss it back to you and and you guys can map this uh map it out as we go here or map it out again folks uh mike's website is proclaiming the org. go there he's got a, a newsletter um that he was uh, gracious enough to send us that i've been reading and there's a lot of uh, great content in here mike i don't know where you want to start from here but before the show we talked about what the pope was doing in sweden the 499th anniversary of the reformation and um, this, these two things tie together, and you put this together in your article under the title, Pope Marks the Reformation with a Call for Unity. And that's something that we talked about before the broadcast, the, the false unity that is um, being merged between the, the Catholic Church and, uh, was it the Lutheran Church, you said? That's right. Yeah, he took a trip over to Sweden to get together with the Lutherans and... It was the 499th anniversary of the Reformation. And what's really troubling is uh, the Lutherans are clueless because if they would have only learned from Martin Luther, 
right after he nailed his 95 thesis to the Wittenberg door, the Catholic Church tried to reverse the Reformation. And what they did was they told Martin Luther that we've always taught what we now teach concerning faith and good works, and and the Catholic Church was unjustly accused of the contrary. And so Martin Luther warned, he said, the, the, the Pope is the wolf that puts on sheep's skin until he gains admission into the fold. And so now we have Pope Francis, who's a different wolf, but he wears the same sheepskin, and he's attempting to reunite, reunite the Lutherans with Holy Mother the Church. And, and, you know, I'd like to say at the outside, Doug and Joe, as a former Catholic for over 30 years, I was very devout, and it is my heart's desire that any Roman Catholic that may, may be listening to this broadcast would definitely consider what I say with the supreme authority of God's Word, because the last thing I want any Roman Catholic to believe is what I say. I'd rather them believe what the Word of God teaches. And I was deceived for over half of my life because I trusted the Roman Catholic religion as my source for truth and faith. And I think you all will both agree that the very nature of deception is that people don't even know they're deceived unless they are confronted with the truth. And so when I was in my mid-30s... Mike, if I I can just interrupt you just for one second, and I just want to reaffirm this with our our listeners who know, who know me, uh, who know my history, I just want to tell you by, by, by way of introduction. All right, I'm I'm the father, of course, of Joe. I'm I'm an older guy, although I'm still good looking. Anyway, uh, no, I'm I'm kidding there. Um, I I went to a seminary. I attended a seminary. Graduated from a seminary in years ago. All right, a minor seminary. Uh, it was a Jesuit seminary, and I was a Roman Catholic. I was an altar boy. I would serve uh, a seven o'clock mass in the morning. You know, dressed up as an altar boy, I got smacked around. You know, the 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 ring by the uh, by the bishop or the monsignor, uh, and occasionally by the bishop. You know, uh, carried the, the sacraments, did the weddings, the funerals. You know, so I mean, I and my parents were extremely devout Roman Catholics as well. Um, so I grew up in this environment, attended the seminary, a Jesuit seminary, and of course on the internet you, you'll see people, you know, that that'll look at me and say, "Wow, that explains it." You know, you're a Jesuit assassin, basically. But uh, I just wanted to let you know, by way of full disclosure, and I had I had left the my faith, the Catholicism. And I know this is not about me, uh, but it, it, just to let you know that 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 you know I had left my faith or my. Uh, uh, Roman Catholicism, um, because of uh, understanding that that this isn't how it should be. And during my time as a, in the seminary, I got to tell you, I could count probably on one hand. Uh, maybe that's an exaggeration. How many times we actually picked up the Bible? We studied church history, but never scripture. Mike, I just wanted to tell you that. Make sure just to reaffirm that with the listeners. Um, and just so they know that that you that you and me, I guess we're we have similar backgrounds, but just to let people know that that's that's who I am. Well, what you just said affirms what I found out about my uncle, who was a Roman Catholic priest. He spent over thirty years in the jungles of Burma, and one time I asked him after I was born again, I said. 
So, Father Charles, how many years did you spend in seminary studying the Bible? And he was in seminary for eight years. He boastfully said, we spent six months studying the Bible. So seven and a half years studying the religion and six months studying God's Word. And so that's why Roman Catholic priests and bishops and even the Pope are ignorant of God's Word is because they spend more time learning their religion than learning the Word of God. But it's really troubling to see so many evangelicals deceived by this Pope. He's over there in Sweden trying to build bridges into the Lutheran religion. And it's really amazing because what happens here is the Protestant reformers who left the Roman Catholic religion because they were pursuing the truth of God's Word. Now today we've got Protestants that were set apart by the truth of God's Word, but now they're willing to compromise in order to go back to the Roman Catholic Church in order to have unity. And the troubling part about all of this is Roman Catholicism has not changed. You know, if the Pope really wanted to have unity with the Lutherans, why doesn't he repeal or revoke the infallible anathemas the Council of Trent used to condemn Protestants? Why don't they reverse the excommunication of Martin Luther? You see, it's all smoke and mirrors. The Pope doesn't really want unity outside of, um, you know, compromising his infallible dogmas. He wants a superficial unity so that all people will one day come under the power and influence of the Pope. And that's the agenda of the Jesuits. You know, when the Counter-Reformation started, they were the secret service of the Pope, and their goal was to destroy any opposition to Roman Catholicism. And they did it oftentimes by putting people to death. Today, they cannot do that anymore, so the way to bring unity is through seduction, through deception. And so this Pope is a master deceiver. He's uh, pushing for unity when he's not willing to give up all the Roman Catholic infallible dogmas that the Church stands on. And, Mike, we're coming up against our uh, break right now. Uh, we come back after this break in three minutes um, at 7.30. Uh, 6.30 Central Time, just so you, just as an FYI. Folks, we're talking with Mike Gendron of ProclaimingTheGospel.org. Again, that's ProclaimingTheGospel.org. Um, this is a, a friend of Brandon House who will be a guest on our show tomorrow evening, and you heard him a few months ago on, on this show, um, back in early September, I believe it was. We'll be right back after these short messages. We got, uh, with Mike until 9 o'clock, and then Pastor David Langford will be our guest after that. Stay with us, folks. Back, folks, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report, folks. If you have a chance, uh, you know I'm, I'm kind of pimping out my uh, appearance on Infowars. That, that's a that's really kind of a crass thing to say. I, I, I'm promoting my uh, appearance on Infowars today. Spoke with Alex Jones for for quite a while. If you get a chance, go ahead and take a listen to that. Uh, you had Dr. Steve Pachinik on. We're going to probably get uh, Dr. Pachinik on as well. 
to uh, talk about some things. But the the news, the headlines, the uh, my goodness, everything is happening all at once. I want to thank John Robertson. John Robertson is a, a class act. Thank you so much for all you have done, uh, making this interview and others possible. You've really you've really done a lot. God bless you, my friend. And folks, uh, understand John Robertson, the Hollywood insider that we we talked to, and uh, his you know he's he's done very much and. Uh, Mike Jenner and, uh, he set this interview up for us and, uh, we, I just want to say thank you and God bless. And, the, you know, A-list guests like Mr. Jenner, um, it's, it's nice to have somebody like John on our side and also thank JD for all of his creative uh, work that he's doing as well. And Eric the tech, follow him at Real Tech Eric. And of course, many others. But, uh, before we get back to the guests, before I kick it over to Joe, folks, Green Innovative. It's a small company in Florida. It's You're going to be hearing about this company, I guarantee you. Alan Riggs, the guy behind this, you're going to be hearing about this, okay, more and more and more. Green Innovative, they created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water. You can charge uh, six AA, AAA batteries uh, about three hours using a couple of power pucks. This whole system, we have one. We tried it. it we put it through its paces. It, it's a fantastic device. You don't need sun. You don't need wind or a hand crank. All you need is a little ordinary table salt. Two teaspoons is all. A little water. You shake it up for a few seconds. You put the batteries in. In three hours, you've got recharged batteries. Batteries that are recharged. The Super GMAG, it's affordable. It's lightweight. It weighs about eight ounces. It's durable, EMP proof, environmentally friendly. You can stick it in your bug out bag, put it in your, um, your, uh, pantry. We'll say by your, uh, your flashlight or whatever it might be. But you really need one of these. This is one of the neatest devices I've, I've seen. The Super GMAG charger has an indefinite shelf life. It's going to charge unlimited batteries, numbers of batteries, just simply by replacing the power packs. Folks, a special deal right now. Take advantage of this, especially Christmas next month. If you if you do engage in you know giving other people gifts, uh, this would be a great gift for the for your dad, for your uncle, for your friend, for your coworkers, family. Um, but here's the special: get ten percent off the entire your entire order using the promo code Hagman. Go to greenevative.com. That's right, greenevative. Green, like the color, I-V-A-T-I-V-E, greenevative.com, Hagman and Hagman listeners, special price, 10% off the entire order. Now, if you happen to see Alan Riggs at at a show, a prepper, you know, show, conference, whatever, grab him and say, Hagman, I want my 10%. And he'll give it to you. He will. He's a good guy. Again, discount code Hagman, greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Our guest tonight is Mike Gendron, and before the break we were talking about the um, the excommunication between the Pope and Martin Luther and the false unity that the Pope is trying to bring uh, and deceiving people while doing so. Mike, I'm going to turn it back over to you, and I see on the um, on, on your newsletter on the right-hand side you have a, a list of uh, maybe at some point we can get to this. Evangelicals continue to dismiss the critical differences between Roman Catholicism and biblical Christianity. And you go on to cite seven reasons uh, from the gospel why the Reformation can never be reversed and why Catholics and evangelicals cannot be united in a common faith. I'm just going to throw that out there and let you pick yeah, up. Yeah, Joe. You want. In fact, um, let me also do the same thing for your listeners. If anybody would um, call us and let us know that they heard. The show, we will give them 10% off on any of our resources. 
including my book, which is entitled Preparing for Eternity. But we also have 16 different DVDs that all they contain two different messages. Each message has all the PowerPoint slides, so those are available, including the one that you just mentioned, entitled, Why Are Evangelicals Reversing the Reformation? And I gave that message in front of 4,500 people in Minneapolis, and it was really an eye-opener for a lot of people because they don't understand what's going on in the church today, why so many evangelicals are compromising the gospel, denying its ex exclusivity to come in favor with the Roman Catholic Church. We also have six different gospel tracts, and we really believe that sowing the seed of God's Word wherever we go is part of the Great Commission because when people hear and see the Word of God, they can be challenged in their faith and repent and believe the glorious gospel of grace. So lots of evangelical resources for your listeners. All they have to do is mention they heard it on the Hagman Show. We'll give them 10% off their complete order. So back uh, to your thank question. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and I'll just say welcome. this to our listeners. I'll, I'll say this to our listeners. Preparing for eternity, folks. They're all everything that that Mike Gendron has is extremely valuable in to, to reaffirm your faith. To but your that preparing for eternity, folks, is an exceptional work, and I just want to reaffirm that. And with a ten percent off, wow! God bless you. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. Well, sure. So we're really in a time where Bible prophecy has much to say. In fact, I believe the Bible has more to say about the day and times in which we live than any other epoch of time in human history. We're really seeing a lot of prophetic events come together, including the great deception. You know, when the Lord Jesus was asked by his disciples in Matthew 24, what will be the sign of your return? Jesus mentioned a lot of signs that people are aware of, but one sign he mentioned three times. There will be false teachers, false Christ, false prophets to deceive even the elect if possible. And so we know we're in a time of great deception. More than ever, the body of Christ needs to have discernment. We need to stand firmly on the truth of God's Word, contend earnestly for the faith of the apostles. That's the only hope we have for protecting the sanctity of our Lord's Church. And so the Bible also tells us there will be a great falling away, a great apostasy. And we're seeing that as well. Not only is the Roman Catholic Church an apostate church, but we also see many of the mainline Protestant denominations have also drifted into apostasy. And so it's my heart's desire that, as an evangelist, that I would challenge people in their faith. The Apostle Paul told us that we should examine ourselves to make sure we are in the faith, to make sure our faith is genuine, because there is much deception. There's many compromised Gospels being proclaimed today. Some of the Gospels omit the offense of the Gospel, and so they are compromised in that way. Other Gospels add additional requirements for salvation, so that's a perversion of the Gospel as well. And of course, the Apostle Paul condemned any perversion of the Gospel with an anathema in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 9. So our listeners need to be aware that we are in spiritual deception, and it's really carrying over into the political realm. I believe there's a strong delusion that's come over our country 
as Doug, you st- stated in your opening remarks, it's unexplainable how many people can even vote for a person who has voted to allow babies that are being born to be destroyed and pulled apart and murdered. You know, that's just unconscionable. It's um, no different from the Bible times when people sacrifice their babies. It was barbarian then, it's barbarian now. And so there's a strong deception, a strong delusion that's not only invaded our churches, but also covering our country. And I'm just thankful for programs like yours that stand on the truth and challenge people to really test their conscience to make sure that they're following biblical truth and not following the many lies of the devil that are not only in our church, but also across our country. So thank you for the opportunity tonight. Absolutely, and thank you for coming on. Um, You said a few things uh, that I, I went over and read in your newsletter um, a Christian's responsibility in the election year. And you um, have a Pastor Tom Nelson of Denton Bible Church um, gives a, a message on the coming election entitled The Continental Divide. Is that available um, on YouTube, or is that from Proclaim uh, proclaimingthegospel.org? Yes, we have a link to it in our newsletter, and that's another thing we can offer your Listeners, our newsletter is free. It goes out via email, and anybody that goes onto our website can sign up for it. They can also access the newsletter on our website, and I just encourage everyone that's listening to watch this video. It is the most powerful message I have ever heard in an election year. And our country really is in a crisis, and Christians really need to know that they have a responsibility to make a moral choice in this election. There's talk that some Christians are just going to bury their vote. They're not going to vote for either candidate. That is absolutely wrong. And I think if they listen to this message, they will be convinced that they really do need to vote and vote for the moral choice. Absolutely. So they can go to our website at proclaimingthegospel.org, sign up for our newsletter there, and we'll either send one out via email or they can read the newsletter on our website. But we do have a wealth of resources, and I encourage um, your listeners to look at our blog, to look at our different articles that we have posted in the 26 years that we have been doing this. You know, we started this ministry out of our love for Roman Catholics, Having come out of the Roman Catholic religion, my wife and I really love Catholics, and we want to see them repent and believe the one and only gospel of Christ. We were deceived as Roman Catholics because we had been indoctrinated with the fact that the Catholic Church was the one true church. Well, it can trace its history back 2,000 years, but little do Roman Catholics know that in the 3rd and 4th century, their church drifted into apostasy by putting aside the supreme authority of God's Word, and they started to follow the traditions of men. And so the Catholic Church is now in full-blown apostasy, and I say that by the authority of the Roman Catholic Council of Trent. It not only denies the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it dares to condemn anyone who believes the gospel of Christ. It, it condemns them with over 100 anathemas. 
especially in the area of justification, which is the core doctrine of the gospel. If you get justification wrong, you get the gospel wrong. And the Roman Catholic religion condemns those who believe they are justified by faith. It says that you are justified by faith plus works. And so that's the great divide. Roman Catholics have a different gospel, a different means of justification, and they are on the broad road to everlasting torment unless they repent and get on the narrow road that leads to life. And I'm not saying this to be harsh. I'm saying it out of my love for Catholics. Again, I would encourage them to believe the Word of God. Don't believe the teachings and traditions of your religion because the teachings and traditions of the Catholic Church have nullified and opposed the gospel of Christ. And that is the work of the devil. He infiltrated the Roman Catholic religion, and they started drifting into apostasy in the 4th century. If people are listening, remember their church history. It was Constantine who looked at a fragmented Roman Empire, and he wanted Christianity to be the glue that would cement the Roman Empire back together again. And so Constantine had this vision to make the Roman Catholic, or actually it was the Christian church at the time, the instrument that would unite the Roman Empire. And so what the the Constantine did, he was named the Pontificus Maximus, which is the highest priest, and he allowed pagans to come into the church without repenting. They brought in all their pagan traditions and practices, and so this was the beginning of the Roman Catholic Church. Rather than submitting to the authority of God's Word, they started following pagan practices and traditions. And, of course, those pagan practices and traditions are still part of the Roman Catholic religion today, including the absurdity of believing that every Roman Catholic priest has the power to call the Lord Jesus Christ down from heaven and then to transubstantiate the inner substance of the wafer into his physical body and blood, soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the great deception in the Catholic Church. You know, the Lord Jesus said that in the last days there would be false Christ to deceive even the elect. Well, the Eucharist is a false Christ. And I say that by the authority of Scripture, because... The Lord Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews 9.28, will return a second time, not every day at the beck and call of a Roman Catholic priest. He will return a second time and not in relation to sin. The Bible tells us when he will return. It will be after the tribulation. The Bible tells us how he will return, the same way he left, which was in a body, And the Bible also tells us that when he returns, there will be no mistake. Every eye will see him. It'll be the most amazing event the world has ever seen when the Lord Jesus returns. So the Roman Catholic Church offers a false Christ as a victim on an altar, denying the finished work of Christ on the cross. So they believe their sacrifice of the Mass is a continuation of the work of redemption, even though the Bible tells us the Lord's work of redemption was finished. And so I I challenge Roman Catholics to read the epistle to the Hebrews, chapters 9 and 10, 
those two chapters totally destroy the concept of the Roman Catholic sacrifice of the Mass. And I think if they will look at those scriptures, asking God to reveal the truth to them, that God will do that for them. But they cannot continue to worship a false Christ because that is the most serious sin of idolatry. And again, I say that by the authority of Scripture. Because when Moses went up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments from Almighty God, the Israelites got all their gold together to form a golden calf to worship the true God that delivered them out of Egypt. We know how much God hates idolatry because he put to death 3,000 Israelites that committed the sin of worshiping a golden calf as the true God, the serious sin of idolatry. So if there's any Roman Catholics listening to this broadcast, they need to come out of the Roman Catholic religion and not participate in the sin of idolatry any longer. The Lord seeks worshipers in spirit and in truth, and so to remain in a Catholic church knowing that is being disobedient to the God of the Bible. Uh, Mike, if, if I may, um, just interject one thing here. We may have listeners perhaps wondering, well, man, you guys are you guys are talking smack about the Roman Catholic Church. Why? Especially when, for example, there's such heretical. I mean, is it such obvious? Uh, obvious, um, um, obviously, uh, um, twisted uh, cults like Islam. Uh, you should be shedding more light on that. Well, my response to, to, to that is this: I mean, it's obvious. For example, Islam is a, although it's a monotheistic religion, although they acknowledge Jesus, the existence of Jesus Christ, not not the divinity. Um, I, you know, I understand that. I, I mean, I. I you know, we, we we need to expose Islam, but it's it's the deception that's perhaps the closest to us, in my view, that perhaps can be um, more dangerous than, than than. I mean, we know what Islam is. We know, for example, the heretic uh, the uh, the heresy. We know we know that. So, the, I, I guess I just want to caution people. The reason, and, and, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the, the reason we're, we're addressing this is because you're looking at all of this as the larger mosaic here. There's a push for a single one-world religion, a Roman Catholicism, and the Pope, the Vatican, plays an extremely critical role in this, and the deception is going to come from within the, the Christian, the body of the Christian Church, even more and even deeper than from without. Is that an accurate statement? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but... I mean, well, it really is. We know okay. in the end times there will be a global church, and it will worship the Antichrist, and I believe the catalyst for building that global church is the Vatican. They're building bridges not only into all Protestant denominations, but also into all the religions of the world. And you've stated something very succinctly and it really it comes down to this there are only two faiths in the world two religions if you will there's the religion of divine accomplishment where salvation is offered by grace because of what Christ has done and then there's the religion of works righteousness uh, human achievement which is based on what we must do and so every religion in the world is under the human achievement religion under that banner 
biblical Christianity is the only one, the only true faith, because it proclaims salvation by grace because of divine accomplishment through Jesus Christ. And so we have um, bonds of unity between Islam and Roman Catholicism. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of your listeners will be surprised at what I'm about to say. But Roman Catholicism has more in common with Islam than it does with biblical Christianity. So let me just clarify that. Both teach that Jesus cannot save their souls. The Roman Catholic Jesus, by his death on the cross, merely opened the gates of heaven. Now each Catholic must attain their own salvation. And that's right out of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Both religions, both Catholicism and Islam, have over one billion adherents, and both of them seek world dominion. Both religions have a primary way of growth that is through births. Sixteen million babies are baptized into the Roman Catholic religion every year. They both have a history of anti-Semitism. Now, in Roman Catholicism, they reject the New Covenant, and that's why they're anti-Semitic. Your listeners may not know that it took the Vatican 52 years to recognize Israel as a sovereign nation. And that, of course, happened in 1948 when they were born again as a nation after being wandering across the earth for hundreds of years. So they reject the New Covenant, which means that uh, Israel is God's chosen people. The Catholic Church now declares that it has replaced Israel as God's chosen people. Now, Muslims reject the Abrahamic Covenant, and that's why they're anti-Semitic. They believe that any land that is conquered under the name of Allah must remain in the possession of Allah. And so that's why you don't have peace in the Middle East, because Islam claims they have the land because it was conquered under the name of Allah. But the Jews, of course, point to Genesis as the title deed for the land belonging to them. So they're both anti-Semitic. They both also recite repetitious prayers to escape divine punishment. They use prayer beads and they take pilgrimages to obtain favor from God. Your listeners may be aware of the holy door in the Vatican right now, where Roman Catholics can walk through the door in St. Peter's and obtain a plenary indulgence. So they are also rewarded for their their pilgrimages. They also have... Can you explain... Uh, Mike, can you uh, explain what an indulgence is? Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you asked. An indulgence is the remission of temporal punishment for sin. The Roman Catholic Church repeats the lie of the devil in the Garden of Eden by declaring that there are some sins that do not cause death. You remember when Satan deceived Eve, he said, You surely shall not die. Well, the Roman Catholic Church has what are called venial sins that don't cause death, only temporal punishment in purgatory. And so it's through indulgences, the remission of temporal punishment for sin, that Roman Catholics can escape the fires of purgatory. This was the spark of the Reformation. <laughs> and so just to continue a couple more, because I want to get to the major one, they both seek messages from apparitions of Mary. Now, a lot of people will not understand this because 
The Muslim religion has their holy book called the Quran. The only woman that is mentioned in the Quran is Mary, and she's mentioned 37 times. They revere her as the most honored woman who's ever lived because of her submission to God. And that is what Islam is, it's submission. And so now we have Muslims going to apparition sites in places like Fatima, Portugal, and Medjugorje, they're all seeking messages from Mary. And of course, we know that these apparitions of Mary are but deceptive angels that are coming in the place of Mary, giving false messages. But these apparitions are said to bring peace to all children, both Islam, Islamic people, and Roman Catholics. And so it's fascinating when we see that in the end times, the Bible says lying signs and wonders will be used by the devil to deceive the world. And I really believe the apparitions of Mary are one of the most powerful deceptions that Satan will use to convince the world to come together under the papacy to form this global church. So there you have it. Islam and Roman Catholicism have so much in common. They're both into world dominion. Together they represent a third of the world's population. What a powerful force that would be if together they united under an apparition of Mary. Fascinating times in which we live. Absolutely. And, folks, we are coming up against another break. Our guest tonight is Mike Gendron. He is the uh, website owner of uh, ProclaimingTheGospel.org, ProclaimingTheGospel.org. Again, he has a free newsletter. You can go to his website and sign up for his free newsletter, and that is ProclaimingTheGospel.org. Mike Gendron is our guest. We'll be right back after these short messages. Stay with us on this Wednesday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. two of this Wednesday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our guest for the first two hours, last hour, and throughout this hour is Mike Gendron. His website is proclaimingthegospel.org, and bookmark that site. You can get a free newsletter if you sign up on the right-hand side of the page, and you can get a look at the uh, YouTube channel, at uh, some of their content from past videos to articles to um, social media and more. There at proclaimingthegospel.org. Um, Mike, where would you like to start this hour? You were mentioning a, a one-world religious system. Um, we talked some about the deception that's going on in the in the churches, the false unity. Um, we hit on a number of of issues, and, and you also laid out a lot of um, the problems with the you know religious spirit and the things that uh, a religion creates to believe in versus 
the gospel that we have that we're supposed to read and, and believe in instead of the religion and how that has been interse- interfering with each other. Uh, where do you want to go this hour? Hey, Joe, you're cutting out. Oh, I, I apologize. Um, we'll check our, our sound on this end. Um, is it choppy? Are you hearing every other word? or No, it's it? just a couple of blank spots, but um, I hear you loud and clear now. Okay, great. Well, where do you want to go this hour? We hit on a number of, of issues in the last segment, uh, from the one world religion to um, the deception in the last days, the deception of the religiousness versus the gospel in the scriptures. Uh, where do you want to start this hour? Well, it would probably be good to talk a little bit about this Jesuit pope, Pope Francis, because he has been one of the most controversial popes in the history of the Roman Catholic religion. And I think he's being loved by all because of a false sense of humility. And I say that because he is wearing the titles given to Almighty God. He has stolen the three titles given to the triune God. He dares to say that he is the head of the church, and yet he never died for the church like the Lord Jesus did. And so to name himself as the head of the church is blasphemy against the Lord Jesus. He also dares to call himself the Holy Father, and he says he has supreme and unhindered authority over all people. We know that the only time the Bible mentions Holy Father is in the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, where Jesus is praying to his one and only Holy Father, And so for the Pope to steal that title as well is such arrogance. And then he also dares to steal the title given to the Holy Spirit, which is the Vicar of Christ. Jesus said, I must go, but I will send someone in my place. He wasn't referring to the papacy, but to the Holy Spirit. And so we have this Pope who steals the titles given to the triune God, but because of his foot washings, everybody thinks he's really humble. He condemns those who do not submit to his infallible dogmas. He also proclaims a false and fatal gospel that leads people to the eternal lake of fire. And once again, I don't want to say things without letting your listeners know that I am speaking the truth in love. I want Roman Catholics to come to a knowledge of the true gospel and repent from the false gospel of the Roman Catholic religion. We know that the gospel that the Catholic Church teaches is a works righteousness salvation. They actually teach that water baptism is what regenerates the soul. That is, of course, a work of the Holy Spirit, not of a Roman Catholic priest. The sacrament of baptism is also a sacrament that is said to justify the Roman Catholic. And the Bible says justification is by faith. Well, how can a seven-day-old infant have the capacity to believe anything? And so the Roman Catholic Church dares to say that the sacrament of water baptism that is administered to seven-day-old babies places them on the road to heaven. But when they commit a mortal sin, they must do another sacrament called penance to be re-justified. And so the sacraments are necessary to maintain their salvation. This, of course, is another gospel. And the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 1 said, If anyone comes preaching another gospel, 
He even said, if I come preaching another gospel, they are to be condemned. They are to be anathema, turned over to God for destruction. Now remember, he said that because the Judaizers wanted to add circumcision as a requirement for salvation for the Gentiles. And so Paul condemned them because they added one requirement. The Catholic Church has added seven requirements to the gospel, and so they have perverted the gospel even more so than the Judaizers. We also see the Pope declaring himself to be a vicar of Christ. And the Apostle Paul warned us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Their end will correspond to their deeds. That's why the Roman Catholic Church claims to be the one true church, because they have successors of the twelve apostles. They are said to be bishops of their church. Before the break, I mentioned the Holy Door that's at St. Peter's right now. The Pope actually opened that on December 8th last year, and anyone who goes through that door will actually receive a plenary indulgence, which means all of their sins have been forgiven. Well, the Lord Jesus claimed to be the only door of salvation. In John chapter 10, he said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. That would be the Pope. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so we have all of these comments being made by the Pope. Last year, he installed super confessors. He appointed 1,000 priests to forgive sins that only top-level officials previously had the authority to forgive. And so, once again, we know that only God can forgive sins, and we can go directly to God. We don't need to go through other mediators. The Lord Jesus is the only mediator. Jesus said that lying signs and wonders will deceive even the elect if possible. And we see in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. We're seeing those deceptive signs being used throughout the world by the devil today. One of the things the Pope said, and this is part of his ecumenical ploy to unite all the people of the earth together under the papacy, he said that all children, everyone is a child of God. He went on to say, and I quote, Everyone is a child of the same God. Many think differently or seek God in different ways, but there is only one certainty. We are all children of God. We mentioned earlier that Roman Catholic priests and popes don't know the Bible, and it's clearly evident that the Pope doesn't know the Bible because the Bible tells us that some are children of God and some are children of the devil. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, it says that those who practice righteousness are of God, and those who do not practice righteousness are children of the devil. And then we also see Jesus in John chapter 8 confronting the apostate religious leaders of his day, 
telling them you are of your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desires and so this is why we have this ministry to challenge people to look to the bible and see what the word of god says and not believe what the word of man is teaching the catholic church has followed apostate doctrines for over 1600 years now and Catholics will never know they're being deceived until they hope, open the Bible and start reading the truth of God's Word. And that's why we've developed so many resources, not only for Roman Catholics, but for anyone who is a victim of religious deception. You know, there's a passage in the Bible, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 to 26, where Paul says, "...we are to pray for those who are in opposition to the gospel." so that they would come to a knowledge of the truth and escape the snare of the devil who holds them captive to do his will. We know the devil is the prince of this world, and he's holding many people captive, and he's doing it through deceptive lies. Jesus said the only way that you can be set free from the snare of the devil is to abide in his word. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that's what he told in the context of John chapter 8. Those who are being deceived need to abide in the Word so they can know the truth. So that's my heart's desire, is that your listeners will reach out to any Roman Catholics that they know, challenge them in their faith, encourage them to trust Jesus Christ as their all-sufficient Savior, and to submit to the supreme authority of God's Word in all matters of faith. And so we have a website that will help them to do that and many resources that we can offer. You know, we started this ministry 26 years ago, and the way we did it, we just started inviting Roman Catholics over to our house every Tuesday night, and we showed a short gospel video, and then we answered their questions. Within three months, we saw 17 Roman Catholics exchange their religion for a relationship with Christ. And that was the genesis of this ministry. Catholics that were born again kept coming back saying, we want to learn more about the Bible. So we started Wednesday night Bible studies. And then we started printing gospel tracts and newsletters so that they could share that with their friends. And God has taken this ministry all over the world. We literally stand in awe of what he has done with a couple of people that made themselves available and obedient to the Great Commission. And so we would love to help anybody that is listening if they have questions about their faith, whether or not they have genuine faith. You can email us, you can give us a call, and we'd be glad to help them out. That's what we're here for. And this is a labor of love, I must say. We do this 24-7. We answer all of our emails. We answer all of our phone calls. It's our heart's desire to be ambassadors for the Lord Jesus and take his message throughout the world to a world that is under the power and influence of the devil and deceived by many false religions. So I thank you again for the privilege of sharing this on your radio show. Absolutely. And um, you said you started this by um, doing a basically a, a introductory kind of Bible study into uh, w- with friends uh, who were part of the Roman Catholic Church. Do you still have people who uh, 
attend the churches to find people um, to come back out of the church? Oh, yes, we do. In fact, um, we actually go where lost people are. On Resurrection Sunday and Christmas Eve, we will go out to Roman Catholic churches, and we will engage them with the gospel of Christ. One of our gospel tracks is called The Greatest News Ever Told About the Greatest Gift Ever Given from the Greatest Man Who Ever Lived, and it's made up of all scripture. And so when we go out to Catholic churches on Christmas Eve, we actually engage people and ask them, what's the greatest gift you've ever received? Since they're in the mindset of receiving and giving gifts on Christmas Eve, it's amazing how many gifts Roman Catholics will come up with, but not one will mention the gift of eternal life. And so this is an open door to talk about eternal life and the greatest gift that Jesus offers. There's no greater gift than eternal life, and it is indeed the greatest news anybody could ever hear. It's really amazing as we go out to Catholic churches, oftentimes we find a larger audience than we first realized we would. One particular Christmas Eve, there was a producer of a Catholic radio program that we engaged, and he asked if we'd come on Catholic radio the next week and explain why we were there evangelizing Roman Catholics. And I thought, what a wonderful opportunity to proclaim the gospel of grace over Catholic radio. And so the Lord gave us that opportunity, and I know that they were trying to trip me up, but every question they asked me, I answered it with the power and authority of God's Word. Another opportunity came up when one of the leading Catholic apologists asked me if I would debate him for a Catholic Answers magazine, which is the largest circulation of Catholic magazines in the world, and the debate was going to be on the eternal security of the believer. Roman Catholics deny that you can know that you have eternal life. They only have conditional life, and so I agreed to debate this man, and the debate actually went out in the magazine as promised, and we stand in awe of what God did because this debate, I furnished um, scripture after scripture pointing to not only the sufficiency of Christ, but the power and promise of the gospel that God will keep those that he brings to life in Christ. And so for the first time, many Catholics around the world got to see a publication proclaiming the eternal security of the believer. And so this is available on our website as well, the debate that took place, and anybody can go and check that out. It's on the front page of our website, proclaimingthegospel.org. Our gospel tracks are there too, and that's a great way to get the gospel out as we sow the seed of God's Word. We know the Word of God is the imperishable seed that will bring forth life when it falls on fertile soil. And so that's what we do throughout the day as we engage people. We leave them the gospel and encourage them to read it because God doesn't promise anyone tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. So we have to have a sense of urgency as we evangelize for the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no greater privilege than to be an ambassador to the King of Kings, and that's what every Christian is. And the Great Commission is not an option for Christians. It's a command that needs to be obeyed. There's no greater act of love than to show those who are headed toward Hell's Gate 
the only road that leads to heaven, and that's through Christ. And and that's what we're about. We just uh, produce a lot of evangelistic gospel resources in the hopes that people will avail themselves to them. And we make them available. And for your listeners, if they will either call us or email us and mention that they heard the broadcast, we will give them 10% off their first order of all the resources that we have. They, too, can do what we did and invite people over by watching a DVD and then pause it and answer questions and then show them the narrow road that leads to life. My uncle was a priest, and I'll remember one evening he came over, and we opened the Bible, and he didn't have answers for God's Word, and he got very frustrated. And he finally threw up his hands, and he said, Mike, how can one billion Catholics be wrong? And I said, well, Father Charles, let me let Jesus answer that for you. And so I turned to Matthew 7, and I said, read what Jesus said. Narrow is the road that leads to life, and very few find it. Wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many are on it. The fact that over one billion Roman Catholics are on the same road, clearly it shows that they are on the wrong road that leads to destruction. And so they need to get off and follow Christ through the narrow gate. That's the only way to have eternal life. Well, my dear old uncle excused himself and went to bed because, again, Roman Catholic priests do not have an answer for God's Word. Very interesting. Uh, we're talking with Mike Jenner. Uh, um, I, I, I want to ask you this because I'm a kind of a big-picture guy, and I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the uh, population of the world. I mean, uh, take a few steps back a little bit here, in, in, uh, if you don't mind. Um, in the United States alone, 70.8% by Pew Research Statistics identify themselves as being Christian. Of that 70.8%, uh, roughly 20.8% identify as being Catholic. And that, there's no differentiation between Roman Catholic and Catholic. But, but we'll just say 20. So, 20, so there's a, there are many, many people. Now, um, Looking at the big picture here, we, we see just this calamity of events taking place all across the world. We see Christians being persecuted. We see, um, regardless of, of denomination, the, the Christians are a target. Um, we, we see here in the United States, or, well, in the West, more appropriately, policy decisions being made um, by the Pope. Uh, socialism being perpetuated by the Pope. Um, New world, one world order, one world religion being perpetuated by the Pope. Uh, We're not talking about evangelical Christians. We're talking about uh, the the Vatican. Okay. Uh, Now, again, in the bigger picture of things here, as we see, uh, I believe two things. Number one, time is very short. And number two, deception is extremely rampant. So as we look at all of this, to apply what you're saying here to our current, I mean, to, to apply it beyond the doctrinal aspects. Um, I, I guess my concern is we are we are going to be deceived as Christians. There's going to be this massive delusion. As Christians, we are going to be played, especially our goodwill, good nature, our faith is going to be. Um, going to be played. I mean, we're going to be played on our faith. 
And I guess I'm looking for answers, you know, the bigger picture. How does all of this, like what you're doing, this is not to take issue with Roman Catholicism for the sake of taking issue with Roman Catholicism or Catholicism. This is to extract people from a false doctrine, of which that false doctrine is going to be a plank of the deception that will enslave us in the end of days, where we're approaching prophetically. So this is kind of where we're at. Am I correct in saying that? Maybe that was a long way around of saying it, but you're talking about really uh, billions, literally, of people involved in a faith, a sect of Christianity, who will be a part of this great deception in the end of days that, that, we're, that you're appealing to and saying, look, here are some, here are some things, here are the errors, and we need to right these wrongs. We need to educate everyone, the Christians in particular, the Catholics in particular, um, in order to ensure salvation. Is that... Yeah, that, that's why the Great Commission is so important. You know, we can't ever forget what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 7. He said, many will call him Lord. Many will be doing religious deeds in his name. And then he will say in the end, depart from me, I never knew you. And so there is a false Christianity that the Lord was speaking of. He didn't say a few, but he said many. And as you pointed out, over one billion Roman Catholics, they worship a false Christ. They call him Lord, but they will one day hear those terrifying words. And Jesus said it's the word of God that will condemn them on the last day. That's John 12:48. And so when Roman Catholics choose to follow their traditions of men rather than the word of God, they're making a choice that one day they will be held accountable for not knowing the word of God and the gospel. And so it's, it's for this reason why the Great Commission is so important. One out of four people in the world are Roman Catholic. One out of four Americans are Roman Catholic. They're everywhere, and they need to know the truth. The very nature of deception is they will never know it unless someone who's been entrusted with the truth will lovingly confront them. Yeah, I always found that really, um, uh, really important for people to understand. It, it's difficult to understand you are part of a delusion or you're taking part of a delusion when you are in the midst of that delusion. It's, um, I, 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 I'm sure there are many analogies. I, I don't need to use an analogy, but, but yes, you're, you're correct. So, but, you know, it really is, comes down to, to what is your authority for truth? Where do you go for truth? Because if someone were to ask me, how do I know I'm not deluded? I would say because my trust is in the infallible, inerrant, inspired Word of God. God cannot lie. He cannot break a promise. I am trusting what He has revealed through His Scriptures. That's why I know I'm not deluded. You see, someone else cannot say that who doesn't have the Bible as their authority. Because if you don't have the Bible as your authority, then you leave yourself wide open to deception. And that's why the prince of this world, the devil, looks like he's winning the battle for the souls of men because people are not looking to the word of God instead they're believing all of Satan's false religions you know there's only one true religion and that was Judaism and Jesus put an end to it when he gave his life on a cross and the veil separating the holy of holies from sinful man was torn open from top to bottom showing that now through faith in the shed blood of Jesus you have direct access to God you no longer need priest offering sacrifices for sin 
because the perfect high priest, Jesus Christ, offered himself the perfect sacrifice to a perfect God who demands perfection. So anyone who will trust Christ has direct access to God, and they're no longer susceptible to being deceived by the father of lies. And more than anything, I think if people would only know two things, that Jesus Christ is sufficient to save sinners completely and forever, and the Word of God is the supreme authority for truth. Just those two things alone would turn the world upside down. We need to proclaim it. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, we're coming up against our, our break. Uh, when we come back, got a, a couple of uh, questions for you. Um, some some interesting things. Uh, the church is the church in a crisis in this 21st century. What biblical doctrines is Satan attacking today? Uh, we're going to get into that on the other side, folks. You're listening to Mike Gendron from ProclaimingTheGospel.org. That's ProclaimingTheGospel.org. Bookmark that site. Go there. Check out the content from YouTube videos to social media, and sign up there for the free newsletter. Again, ProclaimingTheGospel.org. We'll be right back with Mike Gendron uh, with our final segment with him, and Pastor Langford will be with us in the final hour from the thevoiceofevangelism.com. Stay with us. Thank you so much, folks, for joining us. Thank you so much for being part of our part of our uh, extended family of listeners. We really appreciate each and every one of you. And we've got emails from listeners all across the United States, Canada, South and Central America, as well as Europe, listening live. Thank you so much. Yet, yeah, absolutely, we are covering um, important information with with our with our special guest. However, we we also have our finger on the pulse of what is taking place. Now, yesterday during the first hour, we gave you the headline that's going to appear in tomorrow's Washington Post. Yes, 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 we did. You know, folks, that Comey. Uh, was told, the director of the FBI, Comey, he was told about the uh, content of the materials found on Anthony Weiner's laptop in early October. We told you that right after the seizure, in fact, the day of the seizure um, of his devices, that was October 3rd, we told you that the task force, the investigators who uh, confiscated that equipment, had told Comey, hey, we've got a problem. If you go back and listen to our show yesterday, the first hour, and I believe on Monday as well, we had uh, we had indicated exactly that. That, of course, is going to be your news headline, Washington Post, tomorrow. Why is that important? It's important because, folks, we are being played. And as we're being played, that's why guests like Mike uh, Gendron are so important, because this is all part of the bigger picture of the spirit of deception. Deception is among us. It's it's permeated everywhere, and that it, certainly it's not exclusive to politics. It's not exclusive to any, everything secular. It is also pervasive in our faith. Joe, um, we're talking with Mike Gendron. Mike, can you give out the um, the offer 
on your website, proclaimingthegospel.org, to listeners again? Yes, we're offering anyone who will mention Hagman and Hagman Radio Show. We're giving 10% off your order on any and all of our resources that are found on our website at proclaimingthegospel.org. Our resources include a book that I wrote entitled Preparing for Eternity. It speaks the truth and love to Roman Catholics. It's a great book to give with a season of giving gifts coming up. But it's also an excellent handbook for any Christian to read so they can understand Roman Catholicism better and the scriptures that they can use to expose the lies of the devil that are so rampant throughout the church. We also have 16 different DVDs, and each DVD contains two PowerPoint messages. And that's how we began our ministry, by showing a video in our home. And we saw 17 Roman Catholics exchange their religion for a relationship with Christ. We have six different gospel tracts that are excellent tools for sharing the gospel, sowing the seed of God's Word. We also have a very interesting gospel resource. It's called Gospel Cards, and I took the 12 most important words of the gospel, placed one on each card, and then defined and explained what each word meant using Scripture on the back of the card. So it's not only an excellent tool to use in evangelism as you lay the cards out in front of whoever you're witnessing to, but it's also an opportunity to go deeper into the gospel to understand what these 12 words mean and the impact they can have on someone's life who has been deceived by religious deception. So these are all available on our website, proclaimingthegospel.org, and just mention Hagman and Hagman, and we'll give you a 10% discount. Excellent. Now, you just mentioned the religious deception, and, and you know, judging by statistics and, and you know, how many you said one in four people on the and the planet are Roman are Catholics and Catholics, and we know that many of these other branches or um, uh, arms of, of the Christian Church have somewhat of their own doctrine, have different you know Bibles printed out with uh, words changed and, and things taken out and putting in. And this is the religious deception we're talking about. But the Bible also talks about a great deception and a growing apostasy in the last days. First, how will this differ from the religious deception that we have been dealing with uh, since, you know, uh, 400 A.D., since the inception of the Catholic Church, and even, you know, before that with the Gnosticism? Uh, will this be different yeah. from a religious deception? Well, that's, that's a, a great question, because... A lot of people are not aware that there's been two streams of Christianity operating side by side now for 2,000 years. Right after the Lord Jesus went to the cross to die for his church and began building his church, we had an apostate form of Christianity also being formed. And we know that from John's first epistle. He said they went out from us because they were never part of us. Had they been part of us, they would have remained with us. And so John was saying that if they had been born again, they would have stayed with us, but since they were false converts, they went out from us and began a false brand of Christianity. And so later on, in 300-400 A.D., the Roman Catholic Church put aside the teachings and of Christ and His Word, and they started following the teachings and traditions of men. And so that's the nature of apostasy. 
Paul talks about it in First Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. He says, In latter times some will depart from the faith and devote themselves to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And we know for a fact that that's what the Catholic Church did, because Paul goes on to explain what one of the doctrines of demons would be, and that is forbidding people to marry. And so the Roman Catholic religion is the only religion that names the name of Christ that forbids its people to marry, and speaking, of course, of the clergy. And so that is a doctrine of the devil. And not too long ago, I had a couple of Roman Catholic nuns visit our church, and they were easily identifiable because they were wearing their habits. And so afterwards, I engaged them and asked them what brought them to our church. And they said, well, we're taking a a college course, and we were told to go out and examine other religions and do a survey. And so they began asking questions about what went on in our church service, and each time they asked a question, I opened the Bible and showed them why we did what we did. And this went on for about 15 minutes, and they were about ready to leave, and I said, before you go, can I ask you a question? And I said, is it true that you are forbidden to marry? And they said, oh, yes, as nuns, we've taken a vow of celibacy. And I said, did you happen to know that's a doctrine of the devil? And I opened the First Timothy chapter 4, and I, read, I let them read it, and they both gasped. They said, wow, we're going to have to tell our priests about this and ask them what we need to do. And so there you go. They recognized that what they were practicing was a doctrine of the devil, and I told them, after you check with your priest, make sure he answers your questions with the authority of God's Word, Otherwise, don't believe them. So I gave them a couple of our gospel tracts and encouraged them to believe the Word of God over the teachings of their church. But you see, that's what apostasy is. It's putting aside the Word of God to follow deceitful spirits, doctrines of demons, traditions of men, and that's what happened to the Catholic Church. And so after the Reformation, we had the reformers that were embracing the truth of God's Word. But sure enough, in latter years, many of those denominations that were formed after the Reformation have also put aside the Word of God and have become either social clubs or seeker-friendly churches, and they no longer follow the Word of God or proclaim the Gospel, and so they too have drifted into apostasy. So we can see the devil is alive and well. He is um, the master deceiver. And a lot of people aren't aware of the many different attacks that he is attacking our churches with. It all started with an attack on the supremacy of God's Word. And it started in the Garden of Eden when Satan asked the question of Eve, has God really said that? Why would Satan attack the supremacy of God's Word? Well, because he knows it's the supreme authority for the Christian faith. We see that in Second Timothy chapter 3, that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for correcting, rebuking, and teaching. And so you can use the Word of God to correct any false doctrine. We also know he's attacking the supremacy of God's Word because it is the truth that exposes all of his lies. It's also the very seed that brings forth eternal life. So Satan is doing a masterful job on attacking the supremacy of God's Word. We also know that one of his attacks 
is on the severity of God's punishment. We talked briefly tonight that the Catholic Church has come up with an intermediate place called purgatory, denying the severity of God's punishment that all sins are mortal and all sins are punishable by the eternal lake of fire if people die without Christ. So Catholics have what is called a safety net, this intermediate place called purgatory, because the devil has attacked the severity of God's punishment. The devil also attacks the sufficiency of God's Son. And we know that his attack on the sufficiency of God's Son is what the Catholic Church has fallen prey to because they deny the sufficiency of Christ. They believe that Christ's death merely opened the gates of heaven. Now each Catholic must attain their own salvation by doing works necessary to gain eternal life. And this, of course, is a lie of the devil that puts people on the wide road to destruction rather than on the narrow road of the divine accomplishment. We also know that Satan has attacked the doctrine of the security of God's children. Over half of professing Christianity denies the assurance of eternal life given to those who are born again. The devil has attacked the sovereignty of God's grace. I mentioned earlier that Roman Catholic priests believe they take the role of the Holy Spirit in bringing those who are dead in their sins to life in Christ through the sacrament of baptism. We know from John chapter 3 that the work of regeneration is the work of the Holy Spirit, and so Satan has also attacked that. But I think more than ever we see him attacking the sanctity of God's church. We have seen the unity between Roman Catholics and Evangelicals growing in ecumenical fervor. A recent poll by Lifeway Research is very alarming. It dared to say that two-thirds of Protestant and Evangelical pastors now believe Pope Francis is their brother in Christ. This is just mind-boggling when 500 years ago, the reformers were calling the Pope Antichrist, and now we have people that have forgotten or dismissed the Reformation in calling the Pope our brother in Christ. Uh, if I can interrupt here, that's interesting. Now, is that not true? Or let me rephrase that. You've got this melding, this strange melding of Islam as well, uh, right? Uh, because we're, we're seeing this push for a, uh, just this, this single state religion as the, the time is getting short. Um, that statistic is, wow. Um, what about, what about Islam as we see, you know, the, the Pope reaching out, the Vatican reaching out to, to Muslims and such? Is that, is that similar taking, I mean, is that, yeah, it is. in fact, he's, okay. he's building a wide bridge to the Muslim faith. In fact, this may surprise you, in paragraph 841 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which is their official authority, it dares to say that Islam is part of God's plan of salvation. Islam, who denies the deity of Christ, Islam, who denies that Jesus went to the cross to die for the sins of his people, Islam, who denies that... Jesus Christ is the only way, they are said to be part of God's plan of salvation, and this same religion, the Catholic religion, condemns born-again Christians over 100 times with its anathemas. I mean, if people would just wake up 
and see what's going on, they would see that the Roman Catholic religion is a false religion. It's a false brand of Christianity, and it's deceiving over a billion people, daring to say that a religion that denies the deity of Christ is on their way to heaven, but yet born-again Christians are condemned with anathemas. I think that really paints the picture as to what kind of religion the Roman Catholic Church is. And you you said something um, a few minutes back about, uh, we kind of skipped over this, you said half of evangelicals deny the saving power of, of Jesus after they've been born again? Yeah, they deny the security of the believer. You know, in First John 5.13, John writes to those who believe in the name of the Son of God so that they may know that they have eternal life. And so God wants us to know now that the promise of the gospel is eternal life, and it's backed up by the power of God. Our inheritance is kept in heaven, according to First Peter chapter 1. And so over half of professing Christianity... Not only Roman Catholics, but also Methodists and Church of Christ and other liberal Protestant denominations all deny the promise of the gospel. And they need to be evangelized. And so this broadcast is not only about exposing the errors of Roman Catholicism, but also exposing any error that goes against the truth of God's Word that is being embraced by many Protestant denominations. And we see that uh, today, and, you know, in the past, um, it has been more about this religious spirit, but today we see more of the the world encroaching on the church and the church accepting um, what the world is is doing. Uh, You know, homosexual marriage, for one, is something that is a big point of contention uh, inside the church. You have the abortion arguments, and are we we seeing a a turn where the, the... the church is done influencing the world for a time being, and the world has begun to influence the church? Yeah, very well put. Unfortunately, the church is no longer the salt and light, and the culture has actually won the battle over the church. And you see that often in these seeker-friendly churches. You know, the church has a great commission to go out into the world, proclaim the gospel to unbelievers, but instead the church is inviting the world in, And so pastors now are spending more time entertaining the goats than equipping the sheep. And so you've got the world coming into our churches with all of their traditions and all of their entertainment. And and so when you have goats instead of sheep, you have to keep them by entertaining them. And so the Word of God is put aside, and now pastors are doing skits and different things to keep the goats in. Because ultimately, that's the nature of these seeker-friendly churches. They have big mortgages they got to cover. they got to keep people coming back. But, you know, if you look out over all the preachers in America today, I think you could divide them into three different categories. Fortunately, there are still preachers who preach the whole counsel of God, exhorting their people in sound doctrine and refuting those who contradict. These pastors are on the endangered species list because you very seldom find them. Then you have another group called um, the seeker-friendly pastors. They avoid sound doctrine. They cater to man's desires with ear-tickling words. Paul said this would happen in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 to 4. And then lastly, you have another group of pastors 
who secretly introduced destructive heresies and maligned the way of truth. And more than ever, we're seeing many of those people people come into our pulpits. And after all, Satan knows that he can do a better job attacking the church from within than from outside the church. And so the Lord Jesus warned us. He said, the devil will come and sow his tares in the church, and then they will rise to positions of influence and even become deacons and elders and pastors, and then the church has been turned over to Satan. So more than ever, um, I think we need to point people to biblically sound churches. I can tell you that that is the most frequently asked question that we get in our ministry from all over America. People email us and call us and ask us, where can we find a church that faithfully exegetes the Word of God and stands firmly on the truth of God's Word? They're very, very hard to find. And that's why radio programs like yours are so important to challenge people to spend more time in the Word and test every man's teaching with the Word of God. That's one of my favorite verses whenever I do conferences. Paul went to the synagogue in Berea, and he noticed that as he was preaching, his listeners were searching the Scriptures to test the veracity of his teaching. Here you have an apostle who wrote over half the New Testament. He didn't get offended when they were testing his teaching with Scripture, with the authority of God's Word. He commended them. And so that should be a principle for all of us. Whenever we hear a pastor or a preacher or an evangelist, we need to test what he says with the supreme authority of God's Word. Otherwise, we leave ourselves open to deception. And so, again, I don't want people to believe what I say. I point them to the Scriptures and plead with them to believe what God has written in His Word. Amen. Uh, we got about four minutes left, Mike. Um, you want to promote any upcoming appearances or anything you have um, in the near future? Yes, I'm going to be preaching at First Baptist Dallas, which is pastored by Robert Jeffers. He's often... Uh, the guest speaker on Fox News Channel, and so I will be down at his church a week from Sunday night, and anybody that's in the Dallas area can sure come to that. I'll be in Naples, Florida, the 1st of January, then up in Kalamazoo, Michigan, the second week of January, over in El Paso, the third week. All of my speaking engagements are listed on our website. We also present them in our free monthly electronic newsletter. It goes out via email the first of every month. And I really encourage your listeners to sign up because I keep you abreast of all the activity coming out of the Vatican, all the bridges they're building to unite all the people of the world under the power and influence of the church, the, the papacy. And so it brings you up to date and... One of the things I think your listeners would be able to understand the strategy of the Roman Catholic Church better is when you look at Roman Catholic eschatology, the study of last times, they don't believe Jesus will return again until the whole world is made Roman Catholic. And so that's why you have this Jesuit Pope fulfilling the Jesuit agenda to bring all people to the Roman Catholic Church. Born-again Christians and Protestants are called separated brethren, and so they're pleading with us to come back to Holy Mother the Church 
for the fullness of salvation. And they tell us what we are lacking is the Eucharist. Until we come back to feed on the physical body and blood, soul and divinity of Christ in the form of the Eucharist, we will not have the fullness of salvation. So that is a calling card, and that's why you see many Protestants leaving their churches to go back to Rome. There's a sense of formality there, and so they're tired of the seeker-friendly movement, and they want more of a formal religion, so that's a drawing card for the Catholic Church. But we need to warn them that it is an apostate religion, and all they're going to do is worship a false Christ, which is a sin of idolatry. And that's what our ministry is about, to warn people about the errors of the Catholic Church, point them to the truth of God's Word that will set them free. And our resources are available on our website. And again, if anybody mentions Hagman and Hagman, we will give them a 10% discount for any resource and all the resources that they order placing their first order. So our website is proclaimingthegospel.org. They can also call us at 972-495-0485, and we will be here to encourage them and equip them to be faithful witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. As we mentioned earlier, we need to have a sense of urgency. God doesn't promise anyone tomorrow. We are now living in a nation that has very little hope. It is spiraling out of control. It is filled with corruption and deceit. And we need to point people to the perfect man who still sits on his throne. He sovereignly controls all events. And he is the perfect man of God, God's perfect man and man's perfect God. One day he will rule and reign in righteousness. But until then, we have to put up with what's going on and give people hope by pointing them to the Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rules and reigns sovereignly from his throne in heaven. Amen, brother. You know, how well said. Thank you so very much, uh, Mike Gendron. My gosh, what a blessing to have you on, and and thank you so much for all of your work. Thank you so much for your special offer for our listeners. I'd encourage everyone to take advantage of that. Please, uh, folks, uh, visit his website. Definitely take advantage of the offer and uh, follow him uh, in terms of his uh, um, his upcoming appearances. Thank you so much for spending your time tonight. Well, it's been a privilege and a blessing, and thank you so much for having me. And maybe sometime in the future we can do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in fact, we're going to count on it. All right. Fantastic. Thanks, Mike. Have well, a great night. That was uh uh, that was an amazing, you know, folks, we are being inundated day, I mean, day in and day out, hourly, it seems like we're being inundated with, with all of these headlines. Um, again, uh, Comey, knowing about the emails, the emails, just the fact that we have to talk about this or just the fact that this is important in our um, current environment, the fact that we've got this disgraced, Senator, who happens to be the husband of the person closest to the Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton, uh, going to a sex clinic. You've got, uh, um, you've got everything, just the data dump about, uh, for, for, from the, from the, um, uh, good elements within the FBI, uh, concerning the, uh, foster 
death of Foster, as well as the rich pardon, showing the continuing course of criminal conduct of the Clinton cabal at the 11th hour, so to speak, in this historic election period for Americans. And I dare say that this is one of them, uh, this will be the most important election of our lifetimes. I believe that. And you know, this guest, other guests, we're not talking about pure political problems. I mean, no. We're talking about spiritual bankruptcy of our country. That's the root of our problems, our spiritual bankruptcy. We're going to be right back to you, right where you at. Pastor Langford, coming up. Back, folks, to the Hagman and Hagman Report. My goodness, what, uh, just, uh, really six days to the election, less than a week. In a few hours, it's going to be five days, and, well, you know how to count, right? So much news to report, folks. I, I, you got 90 seconds. Do me a favor. Go to CanadaFreePress.com. Yes. Now, it's also on HagmanReport.com, but do, do, do me a favor. Go to CanadaFreePress.com and check out the video there. Uh, I happen to find um, a 90-second video of Hillary Clinton actually lecturing the State Department employees on what? Cyber security. If you don't think that's, I mean, is that ironic or what? But what I'd like you to do, is share that comment on that as well. It's on our my personal Facebook. It's on our Facebook uh, Hagman Report. It's it's but I'd like you to share that because that to me is telling. 2010, she sports this um <laughs> this lecture, 90 second lecture, instructional video on cybersecurity and the handling of classified sensitive documents. Oh my goodness. Uh, so yeah, six years later, does she, I mean, is this just merely a, uh, oh, an oversight? I, I made some errors in judgment. I don't think so, folks. All right. Our, our special guest coming up right now to walk us through this minefield of, uh, spiritual morass bankruptcy is Pastor David Langford. His website, thevoiceofevangelism.com. Before we bring him on, let me ask you, folks, do you have seeds in your bug out bag, in your prep bag, in your pantry? Do you? Texas Ready Seed Banks, they're ranked the highest in the world for good reason. Folks, I have Texas Ready uh, Seed Bank. I've looked at this. I've, in fact, I've talked to many people who are very satisfied customers. Quickly, Texas Ready net that's where you need to go texasready.net but i got to tell you something this the, the 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 product that they offer you they can uh, the seed banks contain regionally appropriate open pollinated heirloom seeds most seeds bank seed banks don't take into account the geographic differences but texasready.net does hybrid seeds are good for only one garden they don't reproduce true to type that's why it's necessary to purchase stable heirloom seeds. Texas Ready uses certified seeds. Never heard of that before. And most seed bank companies don't because they cost more. Well, they 
think their customers are worth it. And you know what, folks? We think you're worth it. This is part of our listener uh, protection plan as far as I'm concerned. Folks, if you don't know how to garden, Texas Ready has several excellent reference books there as well. We've met the owner of Texas Ready, Lucinda Bailey. She's going to be on here sometime soon, hopefully. She's called the Seed Lady, and for good reason. She knows what she's talking about. Um, And I can go on and on and on, and I will later. But, uh, folks, TexasReady.net, that's all you need to know. This is the Cadillac of seed companies Texas at Chevy prices. TexasReady.net. Do yourself a favor. Go there now. TexasReady.net. Now, Pastor David Langford is coming on every Wednesday. America's pastor, as far as I'm concerned, and the official pastor of the Hagman and Hagman Report. So happy to have him on. Maybe he can make sense of this, this, I don't know, all of this uh, confusion, chaos of the election season. Uh, what we're seeing, the headlines, so dire. Pastor Langford, it's great to have you back on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Great to be with both of my dear brethren tonight. I do want to say you had a tremendous apologist there on before me. Uh, Very few times I get to hear anyone, and especially agree with everything that the man said. I didn't find any fault in what he said about anything. And uh, there are still a few old-fashioned spirit-filled ministers who do not compromise the word of God's truth. And as he well said, apostasy is very fluid in the church today. Um, And I was thinking today about the elections this time next week. We could have a new president. I, I don't know what God will allow, what God will suffer. Uh, this thing could become so convoluted uh, there's no telling where we might be, and it's all for the purpose of anarchy, uh, disruption, martial law. We'll just have to wait and see what unfolds. Uh, but, Doug, as you well said, this is a morass of sin, iniquity, lying, confusing. And, um, you know, the last debate, uh, the, the circumstances... The appeal that was made to me was very clear and very defined. When Donald Trump made the statement, he would try to overturn Roe v. Wade because up to the ninth month, they'll still murder a baby. And she said, Hillary Clinton, she was all for women's health care. What a, what a subtle disguise uh, portraying murder as a woman's Healthcare. You know, it's amazing how they'll take two-thirds of the child from the mother's womb, stick the forceps in the back of the skull, murder it, suck the brains out, and pull it out, lay it on the table, and act as though this was some type of uh, aborted fetus. But let the child be fully born, and then take a ball-peen hammer and smash its brains out, and everyone would gasp and say, My God, that's murder! Somebody wanted to define to me clearly, plainly, concisely the difference? There is none. And you're voting for life, you're voting for death. And, uh, you know, I, I reckon one of the things that bothers me is the fact, you know, I, I don't know Donald Trump's depth of his purported Christianity. I know when he was at Liberty University and he said 2 Corinthians, 
317, somebody told him that because it's, you know, anybody has any biblical depth would say 2 Corinthians 317. And he quoted that because the scripture says, the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And that's, of course, the name of uh, Jerry Falwell, who's deceased now, his son. It's Liberty University. And so that's where they took that from the scriptures. Uh, but I don't expect out of Donald Trump what I expect out of someone of my, uh, how do I say this, my spiritual level of being a Christian and a minister for nearly 40 years. Uh, that's one of the things that bothers me when people attack you and Joe. Uh, you, you, know, you, you're not, you don't profess to be ministers, but people are so antagonistic and uh, so unforgiving, and uh, that's why the church has to be strong, because we're being attacked at every side, every turn. And when you gave the statistic, Doug, earlier, over 70% of people profess to be Christians. Can I tell you, me standing in my car garage does not make me a car. Just because I go stand in the bay of the garage does not make me a car. Just because people say they are Christians does not make them Christians. I heard a man just the other day, in one breath, said he was a Christian. GD came out of his breath the next sentence. So that's not the fruit of God's Spirit. That's the fruit of the devil. And just because someone says they are a Christian, you know, Matthew 7, 21, the brother before me alluded to that in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Just because someone says they're a Christian, that doesn't mean anything to God. God looks at a man's heart. What's coming out of his heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And, um, you know, we're at a crossroads. Let's be, let's be honest. Let's be pragmatic. Next Tuesday is a crossroads for this nation. I believe it will either be the death nail, and we'll go on to full-blown apostasy. Christianity will be outlawed. Hillary Clinton has said publicly, our deep-rooted culture and Christian beliefs must be done away with. She's abashing people who are against abortion. She's bashing people who are against same-sex marriage. But if you go back and listen to all of them, they were at one time against all of these things, but they claim they have evolved. Well, I have evolved, too, into a deeper, more dedicated, and consecrated walk in Christ. And my convictions are greater now than they were 10 years ago. I refuse to bow to Baal. I mean, we have a Muslim president in the White House, and here's the thing. The enemy has come along, and he has sown his seeds, and he's going to go his way. And the damage, I believe, is irreparable. It does not negate the fact that God cannot send a revival. If you go back and read Second Chronicles, I mean, Second Kings uh, 22 and 23, uh, when Josiah was raised up, God graciously granted him, because he repented, he made things right, he embraced the law, he had a uh, Passover, the Bible said, like none other, but God told him, he said, Josiah, after you die, I was ready to judge Israel. I was ready to drop the hammer. But because of your faithfulness, and, and, and the Lord says something about Josiah, 
that he doesn't say about any other king in Israel's history. And that's in 2 Kings 22, 2. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. He did not go left. He did not go right. He stayed right in the middle. Of course, the problem with that is you get hit from both sides, the liberals and the ultra-conservatives who are religious fanatics. And then we have the other side, like the one denomination who met this summer at their General Assembly convention, and there were placards and billboards and signs, I'm a queer pastor, I'm a queer deacon. That's the apostate church. That's the false church. But they will tell you, I'm a Christian, but I'm a queer pastor, but I'm a Christian. So you can't reason with deception. You can't reason with deceit. You can only reason with the truth. Why did God say in Isaiah 1.18, Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord of hosts. Well, number one, anyone can reason with truth. You can't reason with the lie. Number two, God is confident. If he can get you in his presence, he will change your mind and convince you that you are wrong and he is right. So when he used the, the, the prophet Isaiah to say, Come, let us reason together, he's confident. You know, once he lays out the truth, which he, he, he possesses and holds all of it, once he lays it out, you will then understand. But as long as you don't know the truth, and that's the only thing that sets men free, and, and, and if you don't know the truth, then you can't get free from the bondage. And uh, any time in any, any one of our lives that we have a problem, like my watch, my wristwatch is broken, I don't go to a garage mechanic. I go to a jeweler, and I say, can you fix my watch? Of course, I wear uh, 2995 Timex watches, and when they go, I just throw them away. Now, I've got two more in my top dresser drawer, and uh, pull another one out, throw it on, because uh, I'm not going to spend much money for a, a wristwatch. But the point is, you go to the person who is qualified to fix the wrong. And of course, there's no greater person to fix humanity than God, who is the creator and we're the creature. And if we would simply do that, we wouldn't be in this morass of sin that we're in. But regretfully, we have rejected God. Israel did not want theocracy. They did, they did not want a theocratic government. They wanted a king. And God said, I'm going to give you your king, but he's going to... He's going to wreak havoc in your life. And every since then, uh, mankind, whether we want to really believe it or not, every government in one form or another is tyrannical. Now, why do I say that? Because it was broken in the local news today, high school football players, I mean, excuse me, high school football coaches are making six-figured salaries. But the teachers get like forty-five to maybe $50,000 salaries. Well, where does the money come for the teachers and the high school football coaches? Where does all this money come from? It comes from our property taxes and things of that nature. So when God told Samuel... He said, they've not rejected you, but they've rejected me. He then told them through a litany 
in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8, he went through a litany of things that a king would do to them. And that has continued on to this day. And that's because there is no godliness in our government anymore. And that's why it gets... They talk about the deficit. They talk about the debt. They talk about IOUs and the, the boxes of the Social Security. Uh, why is all of this just continued to run rampant? It's because of rejecting God. The more we reject God, the more the devil fills the vacuum, the emptiness, the void, the vacuity. That's the problem with rejecting God. God can fill anything. David said, my cup runneth over. You know, Isaiah twelve three. Therefore, with joy shall you draw from the wells of salvation. Uh, John seven thirty eight. He that believeth in me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. There's no, there's no. You can't exhaust God's supply. But when you take God out of the picture, something's going to fill the void, and that's what's happening, brethren. You know, Pastor, I I, I need to ask you a question on this because you, you did say. All governments, to, to, to whatever extent, are tyrannical. I mean, I guess it's a relative or um, on a sliding scale, perhaps. But are all governments theocracies? Are all governments theocracies? Yes. And now they mean, yes, yes. And, and I'm asking that. Well, the with question the is yes. That, that's yes and no, because it is God who establishes every government that's ever been. It was, it was God who established the Egyptian government. If we go through the, the seven world empires, Egypt, Assyria, Babylonian, Medo-Persian, Greece, the Grecian, Rome, that's the sixth one, and one is yet to come, the seventh. Now, we have smaller empires, of course, rulers and governments. But it is God that allows these to come to fruition. Psalms 75, 6 and 7 says, For promotion cometh neither from the east or from the west or from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. It it was no mistake from God. God's going to give America what America's supposed to get next week. Now, I don't look for the world to change things for the better. I look for the world to make things worse. I look for the church to make things better. He said, you're the salt and you're the light. And so uh, I still promote Second Chronicles 7, 14, 15. I know people sometimes disagree with that, but he said, if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my first face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open, and mine ears attend unto the prayers that shall be made in this place. It's up to the church to make the difference. Now, having said that, God literally destroyed the Egyptian empire, but he saved his people. God destroyed the Babylonian Empire, but he saved his people and sent them home under the auspices of the Medo-Persian Empire, King Darius and Cyrus. So, God is the one that lets these things happen. Why did he raise up Egypt? Egypt housed, clothed, and fed over 400 years his people. He made them pay as he grew a nation. Yes, it was under slavery, but... 
When it came time for their exodus, he said, well, before you leave, by the way, you're taking the gold and the silver and all the fine linen with you. This is reparations. See, but of course, they wasted it in the context of they all disobeyed God once they got out, and many wanted to go back to Egypt for the watermelons, the cucumbers, the leeks, and the onions, and all of those fruits and vegetables. But the point is, God allows this to happen. Even, even, even in um, uh, Luke one thirty three. Uh, God tells us, uh, talking about Jesus Christ, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. God is into government, God is into kingdoms. In Acts chapter 1, the disciples, they asked Christ, they said, when will you restore the kingdom unto Israel? Acts 1 and 6. He said in verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. So, you know, God is greatly into government. It's just sadly, uh, sad to say, but because of the way people live, they get the government they deserve. And so this is what's happened to America. You know, we've lost our godly governance because we don't want God in 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 our government. Amen. And we we brought this on ourselves. I mean, we look at where we're at today. Uh, certainly, Donald Trump is not the uh, the most perfect candidate. You know that 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 uh, obviously. I mean, he's got his flaws. He's a man. I understand that. And it's interesting how uh, we're watching the progress, the uh, uh, Democratic National Socialists, the progressives, vilify Donald Trump in this case. And, and I apologize if I'm taking you off in the, in any the area that you don't want to go to. But um, it, this is so topical because we're seeing him being pummeled by the progressive left. You know, he's. Oh my goodness! You hear what he said ten years ago. You hear him referencing, um, you know, females and his treatment of females and such. And we understand that. But uh, um, hey, Doug, uh, before yes, I became a Christian, I talked a whole lot worse than that. <laughs> Roger that. <laughs> you know, you know yeah. what I'm saying? That, 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 uh, here's the deal. That's what sinful and sinner men do. They talk, they're braggadocious, they're jocks, they, they, you know, they're, uh, what's the uh, term they use? Uh, alpha, not, uh, there's a, oh, I can't think of it now, but there's a term uh, about, you know, their the, the masculinity. How about all these colleges coming out today wanting to do away with one's masculinity? Oh, I saw that, yes. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's that, that that that's that's a real man talks junk. That, that's just that's just the way it is. And and I'm not a fool, and you're not either. But women talk their junk too. See, it, it, it works. Right. Center women talk the same stuff. You know, I can't say tonight on the air what Jennifer Flowers said that Bill Clinton told her personally about Hillary Clinton, but it was on the front page of Judge Report a couple of days back. I can't say what. She said, he said, because it's too unbecoming. But uh, I'll just say it was deals with lesbianism. I'll leave it at that. So she does it, too. It's just we, we haven't got it, you know, recorded somewhere. But, but it, it's a fact. It's a, all these ball players. Uh, who was the great basketball player that had uh, 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 HIV? Oh, uh, Joe, you know this one. Magic Johnson. There it is. Yeah, Magic Johnson. Yeah. 
I mean, did, did you hear the stories of his whoredom and holiday? <laughs> yeah. So, yes. so why are we supposed to say because this man said this? Listen, I would not want Hillary Clinton babysitting my child, yet they will castigate him because of words. Now, words have significance. There's no doubt about it. The Bible says that in 1 Corinthians 14, 10. There are, and it may be so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. But deeds are far more powerful and terminal than just words. You can talk junk all day long. That doesn't mean you can do it, neither does it mean you can back it up. Uh, and, and that was just male egotism. Now, that, that's, just, that's just testosterone running his mouth. You know, but see, when he got off the bus, how diplomatic, how cordial. Say, turn the switch on, turn the switch off. I got to get, I got to be right here now because I, now I'm in the public eye. See, so that 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 is so hypocritical to witness these things. They would not dare want you to know all the things they have said behind doors. And of oh, course, right. the media that was that was saved as a salvo to use at a time they thought would happen. God is doing something. I don't know exactly what he's doing, but with this reopened investigation of these things taking place, you know, I've, I've, I've begged God, do not let the wicked reign over us any longer. Start taking these people down. And you know what? Trump says he's going to drain the swamp. We found out the other day, Paul Ryan, why did he distance himself from the Donald Trump, because his one of his in-laws may be an appointed Supreme Court justice if Hillary Clinton gets elected. I mean, they're, they're all filthy. They're all filthy as hell itself. But they would never want you to know that, because that's why it's called politics. Man, I'll tell you something. Uh, it, it's just an amazing... Draining the swamp is exactly what we need. Uh, and, and Pastor, you know, this is such a, right now, it, people are seeing the headlines. And I don't, I don't mean to dominate the conversation here. People are looking at the headlines. They're seeing the news. They're getting hit left and right. Uh, all of this news just breaking every hour. It seems like we've got a new headline. We've got uh, this, it, it's difficult to keep up. It's dizzying. It's, uh, um, it, it really takes you off center. But one thing, you know, the people, I've, I have not seen anyone really address this, and, and Pastor, you've addressed this before um, many times, and that's, there are no political solutions to spiritual problems. We are in, we, we, we are deep into spiritual problems. Everything from the college, emasculated college, self-emasculated college students that we saw, you, that you referenced, to, to the various uh, comments yeah, uh, by um, Jennifer Flowers about the former uh, uh, President Bill Clinton. All of these things are significant, at least to me, of spiritual bankruptcy, moral bankruptcy, the lack of character and integrity, the lack of gravitas, even to bring back a word from uh, uh, two, three elections ago. But we are glad that you're here with us on, on this program, just laying this all out, folks. Pastor David Langford is our very special guest every Wednesday, the voice of evangelism. And, folks, if you don't have his books, Book of Jude, Revelation 13 Revealed, please go to his website, thevoiceofevangelism.com. Grab a copy. We're going to be right back. Stay right where you're at.
Wednesday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We have Pastor David Langford on from thevoiceofevangelism.com, and he has a radio show right here on Blog Talk Radio, The Voice of Evangelism. Pastor, it's great to have you on, uh, coming on each and every Wednesday in our third hour, and this is uh, your time. I want to turn it over to you and let you talk about what you want to get into. Well, thank you so very much. I, I want you guys to be involved, too. But uh, during the break, I, I looked up the word uh, politician uh, in the uh, Collegiate Random House College Dictionary, and it has four definitions, and this is the fourth definition of a politician. A person who seeks advancement or power within an organization by dubious means. By dubious means. Well, that, that tells you pretty much where we are today. And you know, the election to me is very simple, as I said, according to Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. I said before you this day, life and death, choose you life that ye may live and that your seed which is symbolic of your children, that your your seed may live as well. And uh, the last debate, as I said, made it very adamant, very clear uh, as, as to who to vote for versus death and life. And, uh, Doug, that statistic you gave early on, about 70% of the Christians, I don't see how a Christian can vote for same-sex marriage I don't see how a Christian can vote for abortion. McCain, the vice president nominee, is an apostate when he said he could reconcile same-sex marriage according to Genesis 1 and 31. And I'm like, you, you got to be kidding me. You know, so Genesis one thirty one simply says that after God had finished everything, He saw that it was good, and said it is good. But you know, Cain lies in the sense we have no record of God putting two men together in holy wedlock as He did Adam and Eve. So He, he like most politicians, He He perverted the Word of God. Um, these. Everything that we're witnessing, uh, for the most part, is is, is subterfuge. It's it's a it's a veneer. It's a facade. Um, underneath, it's rot. It's ruin. It's decay. Um, Hillary makes it clear. You know, the the Supreme Court justices have it wrong on the Second Amendment. Uh, you know, everything that's being said right now is totally lambasting Christianity. The core of Christianity is being lambasted. And and, 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 and that should make it very easy for people. You know, we, we hate to be, we hate to even uh, remotely talk about politics, but as I said, politics has always been in government and in the church. Now, Sure, God has allowed it. God has allowed it. But that's because they did not want a theocratic government. When Israel, in First Samuel chapter 8, when Israel told God, or Samuel, they, they didn't want theocracy. They wanted a king to rule over them. And it grieved the spirit of Samuel. And the Lord said unto Samuel, First Samuel 8 and 7, And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, 
and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Now, this is the only time. Now, listen to me, folks. This is the only time that we have recorded in scriptures, and he says it again in this same chapter, that God tells Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people. Hearken unto the voice of the people. And you say, well, why, why does God say that? Because that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to hear the voice of God. Because God saw their hearts. And God knew what they would do. And so Samuel goes through a litany. And I'll run through them very quickly here. See? Uh, Samuel... Uh, the, the Samuel says in verse 9, 1 Samuel 8, 9, Now therefore hearken unto their voice, again God telling Samuel, hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. Again, hearken to their voice, but protest. That's what Martin Luther did. That's why we're called Protestants. He protested the Catholic Church and the Reformation. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that ask of him a king. He said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen, and some shall run before his chariots. Well, let's look at that in the natural. He will take your sons. So now we have the ability to draft in the military and take sons away from homes. Verse 12, he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties and will set them to ear his ground. The word ear there in the Hebrew means he will set them to plow his soil and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. Well, guess what? Our government extracts money from every one of us to make instruments of war. Instead of God fighting our battles, we say, we'll take care of it, God. He will take your daughters to be confectionaries. Uh, confectionaries is, falls under the auspices of apothecaries, to be cooks, to be bakers, to make perfumes, uh, colognes, ointments, things of that nature. He will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive gardens, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. Eminent domain, folks. The government has the right to take your property. Well, the reason I'm sharing this, this is because they did not want theocracy. They wanted a king. God says, when you let somebody else rule you, they, they all men, regretfully, that are not Christians, rule ruthlessly and selfishly. That's how they rule. See, all these backdoor deals. Look, look at the profitable college, I forget the name of it now, gave Bill Clinton an $18 million gift. Something's wrong because we don't want God in our, in our lives. He will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. Listen. It's way beyond a tenth for the middle class people. It's 20, 30%. It's taken from we, the public, and given to public servants. 
who, where did the public servants come from? Government. Now, I, don't nobody misunderstand me. I thank God for every highway patrolman, state patrolman, every police officer. I thank God for the military. I thank God for the, those who have served. I, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm trying to get you to see beyond the veneer and see the reality of what God said would happen when you take me out of it. Because men don't know how to rule correctly without God. And so Samuel was told by God, now you tell them, this is what will happen once I get removed from the picture and I allow them to have a king, a president, whatever you, you want to term it. And so we witnessed this. He will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. Well, there's so much injustices of what is taken from people, just like now with Obamacare. It fell under the auspices of the IRS. Why not the Food and Drug Administration? I mean, common sense says, what does health care have to do with the Infernal Revenue Service? Nothing. But they did that because this is what tyranny does. They put it under the auspices where it gives them the most power and the most control of your life. See, that's why I wouldn't sign up. That's why I'm punished and penalized, because I won't fall under the auspices of Obamacare. So I suffer. I pay a tax. I pay a punitive tax on top of that. Why? Because I'm not going to let them do me this way. So I suffer unjustly. I haven't done anything to anyone. But I suffer he will take the tenth of your sheep, and ye shall be his servants. You don't comply, you don't do, they put you in prison. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen you. Folks, we're going to make an election. Next. We're going to choose a king next week. See, Solomon said there's nothing at all new under the sun. If you think Hillary Clinton is going to modify Obamacare and make it better, you are deceived. There's no way they're going to make this better. You know why? The young people aren't going to buy in. I got a 20-year-old, a 24-year-old, and a 27-year-old, and a 30-year-old. The younger three have not bought in. My other daughter, she works for a, a, a nursing home. But my other three fall under another auspices where they're being punished too. Because, hey, when I was 20 years old, I never needed any health care. So they're not going to submit to it. But because they don't submit to it, what will the king do? He will take it. He will take it whether you like it or not. And what's he going to do? He's going to give it to somebody that does nothing. Paul said in First Thessalonians. I'm sorry, Doug, go ahead. No, 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 there it is, exactly. You know, what this government has done, specifically uh, the progressives, the uh, communists, no other way to, to, to describe it, is the redistribution of wealth. But more importantly, I think, or equally important, is the fact that they have weaponized one or 20% of our economy, that being health care. They've weaponized this, and we as Christians 
are being forced if you are part of the system you are being forced to violate your 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 faith violate your conscience if you want to be a part of the system you've got to make a choice so they've weaponized this knowing in my view anyway knowing exactly what they're doing and then what you what you're speaking to is not only have they weaponized it but the punishment end they will make it so prohibitive for the average person out there that wants to play by the rules not to have this if things remain status quo that um they'll bankrupt you and and that's a weapon in and of itself and this is all i believe a faith based or a weapon against one's faith at the at the very epicenter and core it's the morality it's the it's the faith that they're after in at least in my view uh, pastor thank you for saying that absolutely you know and as he ended up saying ye shall cry out in that day because your king which ye shall have chosen you and the Lord will not hear you in that day nevertheless the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said nay but we will have a king now he said well that's Old Testament 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 and 2. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Now, these people are unreasonable and wicked men. And the word men there is generic. It's mankind. It can be women. What scares me about Hillary is Isaiah 3.12, where Isaiah said children would oppress and women would rule. See, that's a prophecy about the last days. Look at how young people terrorize communities, whether they're black or white. They all do it. Children would oppress and women would rule. I'm not bashing any woman. That's, that's not my point. My point is to tell you what thus saith the Lord. And then Paul said that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. And I asked the Lord many years ago, I said, God, why in the scriptures is every government described as some type of a beast, a lion, a leopard, a bear? A ram, a goat. Why in the scriptures, when you define a government, you define it as a wild animal? And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Because you cannot reason with a lion. You cannot reason with a leopard. They operate as totally instinctively and beastly. You can't walk up to a lion and pat him on the head like you can a dog. See? So that government, which is run by men, is unreasonable and wicked. See? And, and, and this is what we've come to. And, you know, we have no one to blame but ourselves. And to every, everyone out there that claims to be a Christian, this stuff about, well, it's, it's, it's gray. No, it's not. You're the one that makes it gray. You're the one that convolutes it. Is the previous ho- uh, speaker on your program said the apostate church? You have apostatized, which means you have left your post. 
You've left your post. You've left your foundation. You've left your your place and posture and position of truth, and you've embraced something that's holy and totally ungodly. Just, I, I can't believe, like Tim McCain said, he's reconciled same-sex marriage. But he can't show me in the Bible where God put two men together. But he takes and he perverts one Bible verse. He perverts one Bible verse, Genesis one thirty-one. He takes that one verse and says that has reconciled same-sex marriage in his spirit and in his mind. Well, he's deceived. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. That scripture, he said, reconciled same-sex marriage. Well, can anybody show me in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 where God ever put same-sex couples together? No, you can't. But you'll pull out a Bible verse, and that's something else that just blisters me. You know, he's not a preacher, he's not anointed, he's not called of God, and he thinks he has the right to interpret to me the Word of God. And I've spent 40 years doing this. You really want to get me upset? you got people out here who are nothing but wannabes, and that's the problem with Christianity, a lot of it. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you are a mature Christian, and you can rightly divide and discern the Word of God correctly. That's why Ephesians 4.11, and he gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Why? So I can teach you correctly. That's why we have true men of God. The problem is we got too many men of the devil, purveyors of lies, and then these buffoons that listen to them want to argue with me when I'm trying to tell them the truth and tell it straight. And they don't want to believe it. And they think, I know just as much as you do. I'm here to tell you. I don't say it arrogantly. But no, you don't know as much as I know. Just like if you are a carpenter, I don't know as much as you know. I'd be a fool to come in there and tell you how to make miter cuts. Because I don't know how to make miter cuts. I know they exist. I look at molding and I look at a coping saw and I see, but I can't do it. But this, this is, everybody thinks they know everything. If you don't believe it, ask a politician. At least I'm humble enough to say, if I don't know something, I'll tell you, I don't know it. I don't have a, a, an answer because it's above my pay grade. But, but today in Christianity, you can be anything, anything whatsoever, a sodomite, and be a Christian. Well, you can't because the Word of God says you can't be these things. But that's where we've come to. And so... You know, I'm having people email me, leaving messages. Christians are attacking them because they're going to vote for Trump. Well, who are you going to vote for then? You're going to vote for a guy that doesn't even know where Aleppo is? You're going to vote for a man that has no... Did you know George Bush? Listen to this, folks. George Bush did not even know who Benjamin Netanyahu was when he was elected president. I didn't know that. Yeah, he didn't know him. He didn't know who he was. Yeah. You and I, Doug, Joe, we know more about what's going on in the world than our stinking leaders do. Donald Trump was not trying to be some bigoted self-righteous when he said, I know about more about ISIS than, I, than the generals do. Why? Because they've all become a bunch of feminists and, and not military men, and, and they're letting... The, the, our government's being destroyed. Yes. The lethality of our our military. We 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 can't do what we used to do. 
I, that's why my newsletter this month, November, was entitled, Is God Giving America a Second Chance? God is full of mercy. Lamentations 2 says His mercies are renewed every day. Every day, God, he, well, He don't wake up like we do, but every day we get up, there's new mercy every day. Every day. And I want that mercy, because I need that mercy. Psalms 147, verse 11. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear Him, and in those that hope in His mercy. I hope in His mercy, folks. I'm hoping for a, a move of God. It wouldn't shock me if we had a landslide like in 1980 with Ronald Reagan. I believe, see, God's people are getting fed up. And when Israel said... And started crying out to God. He said, I got a man named Moses. I've heard my people's cries. I've seen their sorrows and their afflictions. I'm going to send somebody to deliver them. Doug, I said this some time ago. I probably made this statement 10 years ago. What if God sent the Russians over here or the Chinese to America, bombed the freak out of us, and said, we're letting you people go from your tyrannical government, now you start over. Your government has gone around the world, blown up cities, tore down nations, Saddam Hussein, Libya, Muammar Gaddafi, we're going to do the same thing, and you guys are going to have a chance to start over. What if, what if God did that? Wow. Yeah, think what about if, that, folks. Wow. Yeah. Think about that for just a minute. It just came over here and bombed us to smithereens, and it said, now we're done. Now you start over and organize you a goodly government, and get, and we're getting out of here, because that's, that's what America has done all over the world for years. Now we're going to leave and let y'all reestablish your government. God could do that if he so I'm telling you folks, he destroyed the Babylonian government. He, he, he replaced it with the Medo-Persian Empire, but he let his people go back home. Listen, God does not hate this nation. God hates the wicked and the leadership. Psalm 711 says God is angry with the wicked every day. God doesn't hate mankind. He hates the false balance. He hates the lying, the dishonesty, the duplicity. God hates it. He hates it. David said he had, that God has the perfect hatred. Now, I, I can't understand that. But there's such a thing as the perfect hatred of God. God has that. I don't possess that. But God, but God, God knows how to have and possess perfect hatred and it still be right. See, David, David Langford can't do that. You know, because I'm, I'm a human being. Right. But what if God were to do that, Doug? Um... Wow, <laughs> there's a couple of different ways you can look at it, but certainly I can understand that, and just understanding that, I suppose, would um, give way to uh, almost acceptance, and I think it gives us a better chance for survival than on the current course we're headed. It, it would if you could take out Washington. Yeah. Yeah, now you say that's you say that's so that's so ugly. Well, he did Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them. He didn't destroy God didn't destroy everybody. He just destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Jude in his epistle says, and the cities about them. See, mm. wow, that, that's something to think about. And, and folks, uh, I, I, because Pastor Langford's talking about this right now, I, I I do urge everyone to go to thevoiceofevangelism.com. dot com. And specifically go to, um, at the bottom of the page, Pastor Langford has his newsletters 
uh, I believe they're in PDF files. Uh, they are. You can okay. Well, they're, they're also if you just click on, they'll they'll come right up. They're posted. Right. Okay. So the November newsletter, the most current newsletter, talking about um, the uh, well, what you just said is God giving America a second chance, and and read that because in conjunction with what Pastor Langford just said here, it puts the election, the whole political process, I believe in. Uh, a very godly, pers- godly, uh, a very um, interesting spiritual perspective. So that I mean, wow, yes. It wouldn't hurt my feelings if God took out Washington. No, I mean, you, you, somebody said, "Well, that's ugly." Listen, that's why it's so corrupt because it stays the same. It stays the same. You know, I honestly believe, and I know our time is gone, godly or good people go up there, but they get corrupted because you can't walk in a, a room uh, of those people and not be bribed so, to some degree. That's right. Because they all b- b- hunkered or they all cave in and say, well, I'm getting this from my congressional district, you know, because it's going to help my people. That's how they buy you and sell you, folks. They give you just that's, enough, that's like right. a heroin addict, to keep you on the on the hook. You know, while you got yeah. money, you're paying for it. And, Sad, and, and that, yeah, and, and folks, that is the Clinton and research investigation um, verified. That is the Clinton culture of criminal corruption. I mean, that's the Clinton Foundation. That that's thirty years, three decades of Hillary. Clinton and Bill Clinton. We know what we're getting there with Hillary Clinton. It's all spelled out. And, and so I'll tell you, Pastor, I'm sure many people hearing you tonight are going to be in prayer uh, between now and the day of election election day. Uh, Let's all take time between now and the election and our time is gone, but get on our knees and say, God, deliver us from these wicked, unreasonable men. That's the word of God. I'm not making that up. Second Thessalonians 3 and 2. Look it up. Unreasonable and wicked men. God deliver us from them, please. That's our homework assignment, folks. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Langford. You are just a treasure for uh, coming on. And every Wednesday uh, on the Hagman Report, thank you for sharing your time. And thank you for everything you do. Thanks for being our pastor, the official well, pastor of the Hagman Report. A great joy to serve you guys and to serve with you guys. You you guys have a wonderful night, and God bless everyone that's listening tonight. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Have a good night. That'll do it for us, folks. Wow. Wow. Man, what a great... uh, How how great was that? And his newsletter, Joe, from November, Pastor Langford's newsletter from November, talks about Cyrus, and, of course, um, that's relevant to... A potential Trump presidency, the story of Cyrus, King Cyrus. Mm. Well, as yeah, some people believe it is, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it, it could very well be, but uh, perspective is what we need. And uh, I, we got an email from someone saying, "Well, why are you talking about this when there's so many headlines?" We, you know, we do address the headlines, but there's an underlying problem, I believe, and, and an underlying problem is, is the spiritual bankruptcy of our country. Yeah, there's a lot of breaking news stories, but it's not changing much of anything, except you see more of the lies and corruption exposed. Right. But where will it lead, I guess, is the most important question, uh, or an important question. And will we see actual results from all the information we're receiving? 
all the information is worthless, worthless if nobody acts on it. And it's just a big distraction. I got a feeling. I got a feeling there will be action. Uh, there will be action. I'm not going to hold my breath. But uh, I, I don't right. know, man. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you so much for being part of our lives, extend the family of listeners. Thank you for your support, your prayers, your letters. We read them all. Your emails. We really appreciate each and every one of you. Absolutely. Tomorrow, hour one news and headlines. Hours two and three, Brandon House will be our guest. Until then, stay safe. Have a good night. And and check out Canada Free Press. Do comment on the article uh, about the 90-second video, please.